Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. Hello, Rob. Good evening, Paul. Good evening, everyone. Hello. I'm saying good evening, like uh, I'm assuming everyone's going to listen to their podcast in the evening. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. How the devil are you, wherever you are and whenever you are listening to this podcast? Hi, this is the How To Be Great podcast with Rob McNichol and Paul B, as he's written on his little uh, uh, strap line on the YouTube video there. Uh, I obviously know him as showbiz Paul Benson. You're going with Paul B these days. It's a bit of a sort of... You know, Mel C, sort of Emma B, yeah. that sort of vibe, aren't you? I'm trying to brand myself. You know, um, Paul A is a bit presumptuous, a little bit arrogant. So I think Paul B is good. I, I do think I'm the second best Paul in the world. Um, I'll let you decide who the best Paul is. But Paul B is not bad. So I would imagine number one would be Paul Coyer, the uh, former host of um, our Catchword. I suppose if it was my choice, I'd say Paul Parker, the former Manchester United right back of the uh, late 80s oh, yeah. and 90s. But, you know, no. he's to their own. He's to their own. Anyway, what, what's your Paul favourite Parker? Paul, Paul Parker turns his back on the free kick, which deflected over Peter Shilton's head uh, in the semi-final against West Germany. So it can't be Paul ah. Parker. Ah. Uh, and then he, then he went on to be um, Spider-Man which was an extraordinary uh, tale for him. Anyway, this podcast is How to Be Great at Being Paul. We should do that. What's, who's the greatest Paul in wrestling? That well, it'd be, be very short. Genuinely could... who, who else is who's there? The Paul great... Bearer. Well, there's, there's Paul Bearer, Paul Levesque. Um... Just them two. <laughs> Paul Bosch. Paul Roma. Paul Roma, Yes. There are more Pauls than you think. Anyway, listen, there's more people than you think today because uh, we've actually got Pauls. a guest that on the us, podcast. That would give us Pauls for thought, wouldn't it, Rob? I'm the one that gets sick for the bad jokes. When we do the Sunday night quiz, I get sick for my bad jokes and he's just done Pauls for thought. Never forget that, listeners. Never, ever forget. So this is the How To Be Great podcast. We take a topic... We talk about it. We come up with a top five list uh, and then you, the listener and viewer, because we are on YouTube live and any of your podcasts of choice, uh, you get to choose who is the victor in the topic. Shortly, we'll be telling you about last week's topic uh, and who won that out of our top five. But it's important to bring in uh, a special guest today. I think this is the first time we've had someone on as a guest uh, since we've changed to this format. The reason is, folks, that we're doing uh, something a bit different today. We're doing about how to be great at future colour commentary that is to say of all the uh, the wrestlers that are currently active which one of them is going to make the best co-commentator when they retire whenever that may be and to do that we've brought on uh, we're going to bring on someone who is he's a member of team hooked on wrestling he is the co-host uh, of the because wcw podcast on the hooked on wrestling podcast network and also very importantly as well as being a stellar manager he is also uh, a colour commentator and sometimes even lead commentator on some British wrestling broadcasts. He is the twisted genius, Dean Ayas. Bring him on, Paul. Press that button. 
Boom! Hey, Dean. And as if by magic. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, Dean. How are you? Hello. Uh, You forgot Paul White, the big show. That's another one. We did, didn't we? That's a good point. So we did. So we did. I am am very well, thank you. Had a a very very trying day yesterday. Just wanted to say my heart goes out to everyone in Beirut, where uh, a lot of my family are. It's been a, a, a tricky old day, a tricky old time there. Um... But um, but yes. All other than other than that, all is all is well. Thank you very much. Good, 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 yeah. good stuff. Good stuff. So we are going to discuss a topic which is kind of I would imagine close to your heart uh, today, mm-hmm. Dean. Before we get into the meat of it, uh, we're going to obviously in a, in a second just get the uh, the answers to last week's poll. But just very quickly before we before we start, for those of you that don't know your journey interesting i think i do this every time we have a podcast with you i'll be t- talk about how you got into it and everything but people will know you as a manager they'll have seen you on the british uh wrestling scene as a manager but what about the other uh, commentary how did you get started in that how long have you been doing that for um well the the first time um that i commentated i literally blagged it which was um i'm trying to think what year it was 2002 revival if you remember okay. that the bravo oh show. yeah was that your yeah, first time FWA? Yeah, that was my that was my first uh, commentary gig, and I basically just went up into the pod, the uh, commentary booth with Mark Priest, and was waiting for someone to throw me out, and they didn't, so I just carried on commentating, and then uh, and, and was on national radio, uh, and then we did the broadcast on um, Bravo as well. Um, the idea, because the idea was that I was going to come into the FWA as um, as a commentator, but they brought me in as a manager to get me over as a heel character first, and the managing went so well, they never transitioned me to a commentator. Um, so probably, oh, the, yeah, it's just one of those one of those weird things. But uh, so probably the first commentary that I did regularly would have been um, 1PW in 2005 sort of time, the middle of the last decade, which um, 1PW is, is this very large, very short-lived company based in Doncaster who just had tons and tons of, uh, of imports and indie names come over. Um, and I was the com- lead commentator for that. Then I've... Um, done um rqw real quality wrestling and a few other promotions um and then um became commentator for um ipw from i'd say about ooh, 2015 until it closed la- at the end of last year hey rob we finally got someone who knows their knows their stuff well, he says that, doesn't he? We've got someone that effectively can blag their way. He's a self-confessed blagger, so uh, we don't mind yeah. that actually on uh, on this show. That's uh, that's good fun. Uh, Dean, we'll be picking your brain a little bit more about commentary and indeed going into mm-hmm. our topic shortly, but we do have a bit of housekeeping uh, to see to. Uh, Paul Benson is the person I always lean on to go through these uh, stats and figures and, and all sorts of stuff. Paul, talk, talk us through what we were talking about last week and... Uh, and give us some of the rundown of the results. As always, I don't know the results. I never know the results. But uh, mm. we've had a couple of surprise ones of late. I was so pleased. It was unbelievable. It was extremely. It was amazing. A couple of weeks ago, when uh, we found out that the greatest ever tag wrestler was voted uh, by all of you as uh, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, which I was so pleased with. Well done, everybody. Uh, have you, you really followed up with a good, good, good piece of voting this week? What have we got, Paul? Well, I'd, I'd be interested to pick Dean's brain on this before I give out the results. Um, so oh, yeah, basically, Dean, last last week we asked, um, what is the best ever submission finisher? 
And by that, we meant um, who's specific move and, you know, who, who applied it the best. So now, Rob and I narrowed it down to five. So if I give you the five, why don't you tell me what you think the top three will be? Is that okay? I don't mean to put okay. you on the spot, but the no, fans no, voted on this. Yep. So I'm, I'm going to do it in broadly alphabetical order. And um, so we've got Bob Backlund's uh, crossface chicken wing. We've got Bret Hart's sharpshooter. We've got Chris Benoit's crossface, Kurt Ankles, uh, sorry, Kurt Angle's ankle lock, and Mankind's mandible claw. They were our five. What would you think would be the top three on those five, do you think? I think the sharpshooter would have to be in there just because of the, the high-profile matches that has been in. And I would think I would think Bob Backlund, as far as kind of modern day viewership goes, he was very much at the tail end of that, so he may not be on there. The mandible claw wasn't that great of a finish uh, of a submission. I would I would go with the sharpshooter, the ankle lock, and and the crossface. Well, it's interesting you say that. I would I would probably have gone if I was guessing what other people would say, I'd probably say the same thing. Personally, my my pick would be Backland um as as the top one. But what we ended up actually was a very interesting top three. So um first of all, negligible votes, right, for these two. And I'm really surprised by it. it's literally just a small handful for both the ankle lock and the crossface. Yeah, almost almost nothing. Um which really shocked me because I thought, you know, they were contenders to win. In third position, um, we got Mankind's Mandible Claw. That got about uh, 12% of the vote. In second position, um, with about 24% of the vote, it's Bob Backlund's Crossface Chicken Wing. And that means that the winner with about 62% of the vote was the sharpshooter, Bret Hart, um, which is not a huge surprise as a winner. Bret Hart tends to win a lot of the polls that we end up putting him on. Um, I think it's a fair winner, don't you guys, Rob? Yeah, I would say so. I think it's the expect that's the one I would have, would have expected. Um, it certainly does show. That's interesting that um, what Dean said about how long ago Backland was, and it was really a, a move that was only over really for one summer, I yeah. guess, wasn't it? That that summer of Backland where he, he won Pretty the title, much. and there was the uh, well, I say summer, summer into November, of course, with the uh, the Survivor Series win. Um, so it was only you know half of one year really that uh, that. that was over quite a long time ago, more than 25 years ago, but he does well on the, uh, the poll as indeed did Gordy, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. So some, uh, some fans reaching into their WWE network and indeed their memory banks. Uh, it's good to see, but I, th- I did expect Brett to win. I think, I think it was a combination of both, wasn't it? Cause as we talked about on the show last week, you know, Brett was far from the, the, uh, the innovator of the sharpshooter. There were people before him, but he did it best. And Dean made a good point, which that he, uh, he did it in such high-profile matches. I think there's yeah. lots of other people that had That's great it. submission holes. Because the, the big um, omission last week, on, as far as we were concerned, Dean, we thought people would say, you know, we didn't put Ric Flair's figure four in, which is obviously probably mo- the most iconic uh, submission move. But quite frankly, how often did he win with it? So I was just you know, about to bit, say, yeah. We're being yeah. nitpicky, but, you know, he didn't win with it tons and tons, whereas there are lots of uh, Bret Hart defences where... Uh, if he didn't win with it, it was certainly it led to the finish, you know, such as the the Yokozuna match or, or whatever. Yeah. So uh, I yeah. think that's probably why he won. Good choice, everybody. I, I approve once again. Excellent. So what we're on this week then, guys? So, we're well, on commentators, aren't we? We move on to today. So broadly speaking, we're going to do colour commentators because that's where wrestlers usually end up. If you want to move into a, a different uh, commentary position, I think we, we broadly on our... Um, 
social media put it out there as commentator or announcer. I'm not sure we were overly specific. So uh, we could move into other places, but I think we're going to broadly focus on uh, the colour commentary uh, position. So we've talked about how you got into that role, Dean. Um, give us a couple of tips. If, if Paul and I were about to do our first broadcast next week, we've got a nice capable commentator commentating for us and we were going to be our cut with the colour guys. What, what tips would you give us other than go away and be relevant for 20 years first? Um, you, well, the the obvious thing is, you know, you've got to be able to to talk, but as in you've got to have a good vocabulary, you've got to be able to be you know, descriptive, you've got to have charisma. Um, so being, if you've got someone who's a good promo, that will help. But similar to being um, a manager, as a commentator, your role is to get the wrestlers over rather than get yourself over. But at the same time, you need to have a character of your own that you can get across to help get the, the characters that you're talking about across, if you see what I mean. So, yeah. um, so for example, you know, if I'm, if I'm the heel commentator and, um, Paul's the baby face and, and Rob, you're the, you're the heel. And I'm obviously going to side with side with you. You know, I would be, Oh God, here comes Benson, not him again. Or, you know, just generally make people aware that he is the blue eye and the baby face because the baby face commentator will be telling me, yeah, like gorilla and Bobby in the old days. Yeah. Will you stop? And, and you, you're, and then you're establishing yourself. And I think, I think, um, I'm actually foreshadowing one of my my picks here, but Chris Jericho, when he has done the AEW commentary recently, has been fantastic at this, where you know exactly what Chris Jericho's character is, but he is getting over other wrestlers at the same time. And the whole the whole story with um, my good friend Sugar Duncan, aka Pineapple Pete, and getting put over on AEW purely by Chris Jericho is a fantastic example of that. Um, and you've you've got to be able to to tell the story of the of the match. Um, now, sometimes that story is is very obvious, and sometimes it isn't. And one thing I, I'll often do if I if I get the chance to is talk to the wrestlers beforehand and ask you know, if there's anything specific that they want to to get put across in the commentary. If there's a certain angle, a certain story, like a move they've been working on, anything that just fills in a few gaps. Um, and you know, wrestling matches the a journey for the fan, and the commentator's role is to just enhance that journey. Yeah, you can you can watch a match without any commentary. What you want is that you watch a match with commentary, and it adds a little bit. It gives you a bit more info about the person, or about what a certain move does, or what strategy the the wrestler might be trying to take, and things like that. Um, and also, obviously, um, being able to cover up any rickets. You know, so if someone screw something up it's not because they've screwed it up it's because the other person is fighting against it or or whatever it might be and you you, you you're you're trying to make it you're trying to put it across as a, a like a legitimate sporting contest but making it entertaining at the same time so a wrestling commentator could never be like that in you know in boxing or snooker or whatever you know you can't measure oh god here comes ronnie o'sullivan i hate that guy i hope his cue breaks in half you'd be you'd be <laughs> escorted from the premises within a very short space of time but in wrestling the the great thing is you can get away with it yeah it's it's, a, it's such a breed to itself isn't it Yes, definitely. 
It's funny how, um, obviously, you had the, the bit of a translation between, what, as you just said there, let's call it a real sport and the uh, the wonderful world of, of wrestling. But uh, in another in another life of mine, I am a commentator. I do a, comment, a commentary on uh, on football, and I always say to whoever is my uh, summarizer, as we're encouraged to call it in, uh, in local radio, um, I always say, if they're doing it for the first time, I'll say what's happening, and you say why. And I often yeah. think that um, the colour commentator in wrestling... I think that's gone away a little bit. I think I'd like to see a lot, a lot more of that. I'll tell you who was good at that. If we're talking people that we've already seen translate into that seat, is Taz. Taz was good at being able to say yeah. there's a reason why the wrestler went for that suplex or went for that hold. I find not enough commentators do that. I'd like to see more um, colour guys go for that sort of approach of explaining the wrestling. I, I suppose they're encouraged not to, perhaps, on, on certain wrestling television shows. But he's one that mm. sticks out to me um, as the, the, is, that has been good at it. But there's been precious few, I think, uh, over the past. I'd like to see a few get into that, that more sport-oriented mindset of it. Yeah, I mean, when when I've been commentating with um, Ricky Slatter, who's a fantastic and criminally underrated commentator, and we, we did IPW, and um, if it wasn't for uh, this pandemic, we'd be doing Fight Nation as well now. But one thing sometimes he would say to me, to kind of throw to me, is like, if you were managing this person, what would you be telling them right now to draw on my experience as a, as a manager, similar to, to, you know, if you had a, a wrestler in that position, if you were in this match right now, what would you, what would you do? So it's a, it's a similar thing. What you guys said before about just draw, you know, having someone who's got past experience in the field of wrestling to, to draw on that for the commentator, commentate, commentary uh, even. Can I ask you guys a question as well about, you know, in terms of what makes, not what makes a good commentator, but what takes out the believability from a commentator. Because I've always thought, you know, I'll drop a name that we may or may not discuss later, but people often talk about how Big Show would make a great commentator um, when, when, he, when and if he decides to step away. I have a real problem with that simply because he is a giant. Um, you know, same as if, you know, Kane or, you know, the late Viscera or anyone, any of the real huge super heavyweights are giving it a go. It... it to me, it's a bit of a disconnect. Am I am I alone in that, or is there some, or, or is there a well, physicality that these guys need in some description? I mean, I would say that Gorilla Monsoon was a super heavyweight wrestler in his day. Um, True. Although, you know, admittedly, he kind of shrunk a bit post retirement. But if the the problem I would have with Big Show actually, rather than the, the size of him, is because he is so big, his voice is so deep. I I don't think his his voice is clear enough to be. Um, in always coherent, I find. I agree. I have to. I have Maybe to that's a part really of it. Yeah. yeah, that is definitely something I want to get onto later on. Is that the actual speaking voice is something different? Once you know, again, obviously, you can get. Listen, of all the people that, that that exist in America, Jim Ross is probably not in the top three million in terms of having the best speaking voice, but he's still the greatest commentator that's ever lived. So he gets beyond it. So if your talent is so great you'll get beyond that sort of thing. But, you know, when we're weighing up what, uh, uh, what companies are going to look for uh, in a color commentator, that is something else that we do need to consider when going through that list. Again, we are jumping ahead a wee bit, but I agree with what Dean said about Big Show. I always think Big Show sounds as, he sounds as if he's got something in his mouth to me. He always sounds like he's about to swallow something, but he's still talking while he's, while he's eating. And I think that is a problem. That would be great because you've got to listen to this guy for, you know, these days, three hours. 
you know, yeah. on Raw or on a pay on mm. a pay per view. It's a long time. Yeah, yeah. Plus, something that I um I picked up from from working in in radio before wrestling was that if you have um a team, whether that be two people, three people, whatever, you want to have um people who are immediately distinguishable from their voices. Mm. So. Um, I think the the, the best uh, out of all the people that I I commentated with, I think the best partner I had was um, a guy who tragically passed away very suddenly, very young, called um, Stu Allen, who I gave the nickname of Irish Stu Allen, imaginatively, because he was from Northern Ireland. Um, so yeah, you had my Southern English accent and his Northern Irish accent, and immediately you knew who was who, and there was this immediate distinction between us. It's a it's a great point, you know. If you, if you had Jim Ross and somebody else who sounded like Southern Drawl, you suddenly get that clash, don't you? And it needs, oh. you know, like, guy, you know, it's like guys in the ring. If you, you know, if you had two guys who looked identical wrestling each other, you know, you'd, you'd be struggling. If the Conquistadors wrestled each other, for instance, just to make a really basic <laughs> point, you'd have it because we have to get a reference in every week. Um, you would, uh, you'd really struggle with the match, wouldn't you? Because visually they look exactly the same and, and you'd really like, you know, be like, you know, you're an Ipswich Town fan, aren't you, Dean? It'd be like Ipswich mm-hmm. Town playing Chelsea in their home kits. Yeah. Um, I mean, you think about it, even when, they did, even when they did Undertaker versus Undertaker at SummerSlam 94, they had one in grey and one in purple to distinguish yeah. them. It was, the, it was the old Street Fighter 2 Mortal Kombat alternate costume, <laughs> wasn't it? <Yes. laughs> press, 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 the, press the start button instead of the A button and you get the alternate costume Undertaker. Um but yes, yeah, so I I totally understand what you mean by that. Uh, that does remind me of a completely irrelevant but amusing story of many many years ago. I think it was when they had I can't remember the name of it. There was a wrestling WWF wrestling game on. I think it was on the Sega Mega Drive or something, and uh, or PS One. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a load of people around. I think it was like before the Royal Rumble two thousand or something. And uh, and we decided to uh, to do the All Kane Rumble where we had. Uh, <laughs> We had we had twenty nine canes, all of whom were in identical outfits, and just for the hell of it, we also put one Trish Stratus in there. And of course, the winner of the All Cane Rumble was Trish Stratus. Brilliant, brilliant. Hey, I tell you, just let me tell you this story. When we're talking about Kane and and video games, when do you remember the old um, WWF Warzone on the PlayStation? Yes, for the PlayStation, the first creator wrestler I created for that. I called Corporal Payne, okay? Right. Basically, it was, a, it was a big dude. I think I used Kane's body type. Came out in, in like camouflage. It was basically, imagine a giant Sergeant Slaughter with camouflage pants, black shirt, and then a cane mask on. But instead of black and red, it was green and red. Green and red, yeah. Yeah, so, sorry, sorry, green and black. Green and green black. Green and black, I mean, I don't um, know. So this is about 97-ish, early 98. Fast forward to 2001, and I'm working in a cinema, and I can't remember the whys and wherefores, but for some reason we decided to get a couple of wrestlers in from the local scene to come and do some exhibition fighting in the in the foyer before a film. I cannot for the life of Nacho Libra, maybe. It was maybe a bit before that. I don't know. Maybe we just did it for the sheer fun of it. Anyway, these guys came up. I'd never met them before. I said, oh, how are you doing, guys? Directed them up to the staff room to get changed into their gear. Came down 10 minutes later, and holy fuck, Corporal Payne came out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> the exact creator wrestler I made. 
five years earlier or whatever it was. The whole thing, the trousers, the top, the green and black K-mask, I nearly shat my pants. <laughs> it was it was a moment, that's for sure. We're getting way off topic now. Sorry about that. I couldn't resist. There's a point in every single one of these podcasts just before we go on air where Paul says, we're going to keep it tight this week. We're going to stay on topic and not go <laughs> rambling too long. When yeah, what I he said, this won't go several yeah. years ago. This won't go too yeah. long, he said, yeah. Yeah, Let's yeah. Get back I know, on, I know. shall we? Do as, do, as, do as I say, not as I do, and all that. Malarkey, yeah, yeah, fair, fair play. Uh, to, to bring it dragging, uh, kicking and screaming, back to the question, um, when you said about the big show in terms of his size, Dean obviously said about um, Gorilla. Well, it's interesting that Gorilla is one of those examples of, I mean, he may well in his early days have been a, a co-commentator, but I think for most of us in our lives, we associate associate him with the the main role, don't we? We see him as being a right. a, a host, a bro- you know, host broadcaster, a commentator, lead guy, um, as opposed to being a color guy. Well, I'm sure he would have done color plenty of times in his career, but it's interesting how he made that um, step into that. I actually could see Big Show more, I just as much in that role as I could in the color one. He w- he would be a good, he could host a round table. For example, do you know what I mean? In the kind of the, the Renee Young sort of style, when they go away and do those sort of cutaway things. And I always think it's interesting that, you know, that's never really caught on in wrestling properly, where, you know, if you take, if we were to watch football on Sky, for example, you have your host, don't you, with a couple of pundits, and then it gets sent to the commentator. Whereas wrestling has pretty much always just gone, the show starts with the commentator. They haven't really done that transition well, from studio to commentary. It's never really have- caught on. They have the pre-show panel now, don't they? Which is, you know, for all intents and purposes, pundits, you know, pre- yeah, but it's you know, not the same. And it's so it's not the same. It's massively overproduced. It's the the onus is different. It's there to promote, you know, the pay-per-view. It's there to promote various other products, and it's a, and it tends to be a roving, you know, a, a, a rolling cast, doesn't it? You know, you've got you've got Sam Roberts in one minute. You've got the Usos turning up the next, um, and it just goes on and on. So no, it's not the same as having a studio with you know three or four experts i suppose the closest we got to that was wwe backstage um which is very much in that no, vein, but, but without being but there's no wrestling in it so show. no i'm saying for example you know aew you know starting up and doing something different they could have say um tony shivani and you know name the rest of the week say cody Rhodes, right they could have shivani and Rhodes up in the sky up in the stand somewhere Welcome to the show. What we got tonight? Oh, we got this match. Who do you think is going to win? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, we're ready for our first match. Let's go down to our commentators, Jim Ross and Excalibur. They could do that. You know, I think it could be a different approach. It could be fun. It could be something different. And also, that would also bring in more roles into what we're talking about today. You know, I could see, you know, the big show or someone like that being an excellent pundit. You know, so if we're all watching the football, you know, you might think, say, Graham Sunes, for example, does the football and um, like you might see him for five minutes before the game, 10 minutes at half time and a little bit after. But doing the co-commentary is a totally different job entirely. So you, yeah. I can see the big show being a good pundit, but not a good commentator. There's, there is a difference. Wrestling hasn't really rolled into that yet. Um, OK, let's, let's start with Jericho. We brought up Jericho or Dean brought up Jericho just now. I think he's a good one to start with. I don't see any reason we can't use people that are uh, already... You know, have, have we've already seen them do a bit of commentary. We might have a bit of a grey area on Samoa Joe because he's a, he's a pretty much regular at the moment doing the comms. But you know, I still see him as an active wrestler. So, um, you know, Jericho's done it quite a lot for AEW to the point where they actually advertise it, don't they? They say AEW Dynamite yeah. this week. Just um, Chris Jericho's doing commentary, and they they use it as an advertising point. So, um, I haven't seen a great deal of that. You pro- you guys have probably seen more of it than me. He sounds like he's doing an excellent job, and I can't believe he wouldn't because he's done. 
pretty much everything else in entertainment and done a good job of it. Yeah, yeah. he's sorry, you go, Paul. No, no, Dean, guess first. I, I was I was gonna say that the thing that he's doing at the moment is he is very aware that he is still an active on-screen character, and so he is putting his character over a not at the expense of other wrestlers, in fact, and enhancing other wrestlers, as I said. Whereas I think if, and, and he knows he's, you know, he's not got many years of active wrestling left in him. He's, I think, he's, is he 48, 49, something like that? I mean, he's incredible to still be doing what he's doing. So I think, you know, he's making, he's making his, his next step, his you know, retirement fund is, is, is in, in that area. And when that does happen over time, he would ease down the the character of you know of putting himself over a bit, and and he would just transition into a, a more of a generic heel color commentator. Okay, I think Paul. that's a really good, I think I think that's a really good shout. I think at the minute he's used as um, it, it, gimmicks the wrong word, isn't it? But he's used as an attraction, like you say, Rob. You know, it, it's an event when Jericho commentates, so he's really there to be Chris Jericho. And again, I'm just sort of echoing what you've said there, really, Dean, but it's not quite the same as being a true commentator because he's not playing the same role. He's there, you know, it, it, the whole thing's almost a bit. Um, and, he, and it's excellent and huge entertaining. There's a reason they advertise it, but it's not, I don't think it's truly what um, what we get if we actually got a Jericho commentator. So I think it's, I think it is fair to include him. I think, you know, the minute he's doing, do you remember when um, CM Punk just before he joined the Nexus in 2010, late 2010, 2011, he did that stint on commentary on Raw, didn't he? Mm, um, with his jacket. It, with his jacket. It was very similar. Like he was, he was there to, to get himself over, to add a bit more uh, panache to the normal commentary. And I, I can't Jericho say, but if he turned his attention to it, because Jericho hasn't failed at anything in wrestling, I don't think. Um, so I think he'd, he'd make a tremendous commentator. The geezer even went on bloody Dancing with the Stars and did a reasonable job. He's done okay. Singing, game shows, you know, all sorts of things. When I did the uh, the Talk is Jericho, sorry, London is Jericho um, show with him, it was the, the least work I ever had to do as a, as a host of one of those events. He didn't need me, um, but I just kind of held it together a little bit. But just watching him that night, his delivery, if he wanted to be a stand-up comic, he could be a stand-up comic. His delivery was exceptional. Um, sure, you know he's a he's a hugely talented guy. He'd be brilliant on commentary without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I absolutely know. I tell you, someone else that did that role that you were talking about, Paul, in terms of CM Punk doing it before he joined the Nexus, Jericho. Now, um, the back end of 1994, start of 1995, Shawn Michaels did commentary on lots of roles. Yeah. He barely wrestled at all for the month or month and a half, two months or so before he won the 1995 Royal Rumble. You could see that they were trying to get the listener, the, listener, the viewer, more familiar with, with that version of Shawn Michaels as they can. He, I'm, not, I'm not saying he was a great commentator. Um, I think he's a good example of someone that the character was really good, the promos were good, but Shawn as a commentator in that environment, I never thought it really worked. Maybe people can be too used to putting themselves over and too used to... Uh, uh, doing the promos and doing their character work, that it's quite hard to translate into uh, going with someone else. But I really don't think Jericho would have that problem. Um, I think it's someone that we'll need to consider at the end of this uh, chat. Just a quick look at some of the um, social media 
calls for that. Graham Lodge says, uh, assuming he counts Jericho, already showing his chops. Uh, he's someone that Dan Greenwood has mentioned. Uh, there's other people that have said him. Jamie McFarlane says, uh, says Jericho as well. Um, let's just stay in AEW because I just mentioned Jamie McFarlane. He says two names here. He says Chris Jericho. Now, we all know Jericho. Everyone's familiar with him. If you only have been a WWF fan, you've known Jericho for the best part of 20 years, turning up in 1999. Before that, he was in WCW. He's now in AEW. You know, you've got Jericho down pat. You know his character. But someone that's a bit more of a, a new kid on the block, but he's also an AEW mainstay. What about MJF? He was the very next name on my list. Yes, totally agree. Who said that? Uh, Jamie McFarland is the one that I've got uh, right. on my screen, but I don't think he was the only one. I think there's a few people oh, mentioned that name. Jamie, Jamie McFarland, I absolutely agree with you. Spot on choice. Yes, I mean, out of out of all of the, the new crop of, of wrestlers, MJF just, just gets it. He gets what wrestling is about. He gets what being a, a character is about. Very much like Rockstar Spud, Drake Maverick. He, you know, when he's in public, he's never out of character. Um, the one thing that really sticks in my mind was um, the very first, I think it was the, the very first pay-per-view before Dynamite, when they had Bret Hart as a guest and MJF came out and interrupted and cut, cut a promo. And he cut a promo where he was referencing and slating Bret Hart. But at the same time, he was establishing his character as an absolute disrespectful prick to anyone who wasn't familiar with him. And at that point, I just thought, you get it. You absolutely get it. And um, as we've said before, delivery, charisma, thinking on his feet um he's excellent in in that i mean that's another thing actually i did mention yeah you gotta you gotta be able to think on your feet because if something goes horribly wrong or, or there's a delay or something you've got to fill that gap so he is definitely someone who's able to do that as well um and i've i've worked with him on a few shows absolute consummate pro outside of the ring and fantastic pro in the ring as well and, and and i think that that intelligence that would definitely um would would carry over into um into commentary you would think when you i i knew i didn't like the guy and when i say i didn't like the guy i mean this is as praise because I'm, I'm supposed to not like the guy um yeah. even before he'd opened his mouth and i saw his burberry scarf i wanted to punch him in the face um but yes when it, whenever he goes on to talk he does have that there is that thing of every now and again, there's someone that you think, I know this is all a show. I know this is all scripted, but he's, I see he really is a dick, isn't he? He really is a dick. Like, and I, I've never met him. He might be the loveliest man on earth, but you do get that feeling, God, I think I wouldn't like him. I think in real life, I wouldn't like him. And I, I think that just shows what a good job he's doing. Yeah. Um, in terms of commentary, because again, we'll, we'll touch on this with some other people, but it's one thing to be able to cut a great promo um, it's one thing to be able to show your character. It's quite another to make that transition. So I'll, I'll go back to you, Dean, because you, you just mentioned that one. And then Paul coming after that. Um, what makes you think he can transition to that chair? Like, we will say this is 15, 20 years down the line because he's still a young man. Yeah. Um, but if, you know, if, if, for example, he got injured tomorrow in a similar manner to Corey Graves, you know, the, you, you had to step in and do it immediately. Um, he, he could do it. And I mentioned Graves. So I think Graves is probably the best example of a, uh, wrestler to commentary, commentary um, switch in the last probably 15 years, 20 years. He, I think he's superb, Corey Graves. 
Um, so yeah, what makes you think MJF could make that switch? He is just what I would call wrestling intelligent. He has a, an excellent mind and he knows he knows what he has to do to get himself over as a heel. He knows what he has to do to get himself over as a babyface. Therefore, to me, it's logical that he would know what he'd need to do to get him get himself into that role, over in the role, and get the people he's commentating on over. He's got a, a good wrestling brain. Paul? Uh, yeah, I, I I don't have a lot to add to that. I, I'm not as familiar with MGF as Dean is, but every time I see him, I, I really enjoy his heel work. I think, like you guys have said, he just gets it. And I think that when you're in that, when you've got that that brain and when you're in that mindset, you can you can do whatever you want. You could turn it right now. What I will preface preface that by saying is that he probably he needs some more miles on the clock, because at the minute you you know if he turned around tomorrow and became a commentator, um, I don't think there is enough substance behind him to necessarily you know he's just, he is just a character. I think you to really take incredibly to make him credible. Sorry. He needs to to do something in wrestling. And I think he needs to show a bit more than just that absolutely sort of hateable heel. That's going to come. So I think if, if he did have a, a career-ending injury tomorrow, I think it'd be a real shame because I think if he did, you know, if he, if he waited five or ten years, he'd be a much more well-rounded commentator. Yeah. And you'd be able to, a much more believable commentator. That's, his own, that's the only downside to me, that. Everything else screams superb. While I, I agree with you in pretty much everything you said there, in theory, if you start to go through some of the names, just rattle off some of the names that have been in the co-commentator's chair over the last 30, 35 years, there aren't loads and loads and loads of them that have been mega successful, let's say, headliners, main eventers, champions. No. Not necessarily. JBL. You're granted, you know, champion, long term champion, went into the chair. I think very, very good. But I'm a terrible argue, commentator. I'll, see, I just think I like JBL. I'm a big I'm I a like JBL. JBL. I like JBL. He was I'm a big uh, he more he to me, he was he was more interested in, in getting himself over and couldn't take any criticism. Okay. Well we're not here to do the, the past one, but anyway, he certainly had a long um stint. I would argue, maybe we'll fall out of this one as well, I would argue that Randy Savage wasn't a very good commentator, even though he's familiar with a lot of people from the early Raw years and maybe their formative years listening to commentary. I don't like Randy's voice, and I, no. I thought he would talk, talk nonsense on Raw. I think, I think Savage was a very poor commentator, my personal, personal opinion. But some of the ones that have turned out to be you know, pretty decent, you know, great. I would say MJF has already done more in his career than Corey Graves did. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think, I think Graves is magnificent. Um, I don't think you'd have ever seen Taz coming, you know, as, as a talker. You know, he did what he did in ECW and he had a very, very short run in WWE, really. I don't, but I don't think anyone this whole way along would have gone, you know, Taz will make that transition. But he did right. a good job. And then well, there's it was, others. It was, uh, was short and he had a towel over his head, so no one saw him coming. <laughs> there you go. Indeed. But, I, but, but just, just, just but who else is there? Jess, Jess, Jesse the Body. You know, Jesse the Body had a good career in the. Uh, in the in the territories and stuff, but he was never a megastar. He was never the you know the top mm. top guy or anything. But turned out to be a great color guy. You know, Lawler Lawler's a bit of a different um, you know in, is, issue. Great in his own territory and in the uh, uh, in the NWA to an extent. But you know his WWF you know character yeah. was very very different. 
I think it's I, a, love... I, I get what you're saying, Paul, about MJF, but I'm not certain it's a, a prerequisite that you have to be a top guy. I loved Roddy Piper as a color commentator. I thought he was, for the time, for the era, I thought he was tremendous. He had this enthusiasm that bubbled over and with when the heels were doing something could turn to horror. Um, I mean, he, I'm, I'm right in saying he was one of the commentators in the Macho Man, Jake the Snake, Cobra yes. incident, wasn't he? And and the the alarm in in his voice adds to the whole angle. I, I thought he was I thought he was great. He but was I agree with you on Savage, definitely. I think I think just to just to sort of clarify my point, it's not that you need to be a top guy because you really really don't. Like you think of the greatest, some of the greatest commentators in history, and they never really were. What I mean is, he kind of right this moment, he kind of falls between two stools. He's He's, he's, no, he's known enough as a, a big, nasty heel, um, slime ball. Uh, like you say, he's way ahead of Graves. He, he wasn't really known. Same when Aiden English went into the booth, really. I know he's a bit further ahead, but not really. Whereas MGS got a real profile, but hasn't quite got enough profile to get the credibility, but also not enough, too much to have a blank slate. So uh, yeah, that's my point, really. I'll tell you what I'll do, Paul. I'll, 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 I'll back you up. I'll flip my opinion slightly to back you up. Graves is probably the bad example because Graves is so good, it probably wouldn't have mattered if you'd never have seen him. If the first you'd ever seen him on WWF TV was as a color commentator, I think he'd st- you wouldn't need to have known his background. He's, he's that good. Which, um, let's remember, for the majority of fans, that would be the case. You know, that yeah, yeah. No, Corey, 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 Corey Graves wrestled where nobody's watched NXT. Yeah, exactly. Quite right. Um, what I will say is that someone that I think is not a bad um, color guy but falls into the kind of being a bit bland, you know, doesn't necessarily have the character, wasn't a beloved guy, um, is Otunga. And I think, you know, I think Ot- I think if Otunga had been, you know, the world champion or had been, had a run on top and whatever, his commentary stint would be much improved because people would listen a bit more. But as it is, he was a sort of pest heel that sort of floated around for a little bit because he had a kind of a decent look and whatever, but no one ever really took to him. On commentary, I kind of like him. He's quite smooth. He talks some sense. He's got a great voice. But you don't ever remember anything he's done, anything he's said, because it's a little bit safe. It's a little bit soft. And the same with the only reason that Byron Saxton is known to anybody is because Corey Graves takes the piss out of him. Do you know what I mean? Corey Graves has made Byron Saxton in some ways. Those two examples that I give haven't done enough. They haven't been big enough stars to have made that transition. They're a little bit too you know, uh, too safe, too milk toast, And then they're not really in the, the consciousness as being a commentator where Graves has got, has been, has managed to do it differently. Agreed. Yeah. So we're, we're marking MJF as definitely a, a contender then, aren't we? I think he's a talking point. I think he's a talking point. I personally think we'll probably find five ahead of him, but uh, I think he needs to go on. We, what, what we tend to do here is take something, something from the long list to the medium list and then eventually we'll have to do medium down to short. But he goes on to the medium one. Let's bring up another name that we have heard on commentary uh, a wee bit over the uh, over the years, uh, certainly for a stint on one particular Royal Rumble, as I recall. Um, and I bring him up because I think he's a little bit of the... Uh, he's the mould from which MJF is cut. Um, the Miz, Paul. Yeah, obviously, uh, I knew we were going to go there. Um how do I put this? He's a bit too obvious. Um, 
he's he's a good communicator. He's a good talker, but I just feel like he's so polished. And I wonder whether, and I've got nothing to back this up. If you strip away the Miz, if you strip away the character of the Miz, and you have Mike Mazanin in that booth, not trying to get himself over, as we talk, trying to get others over, I don't think there's much there. And I like the Miz. I think he's good. I think he's going to be surpassed very quickly by MGF playing the same character. But I think he's good, and he's 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 a safe middle of the road body for WWE to use, and he's he, he does get on your nerves. But I just don't think there's much there. And I, and I, I although it's an obvious pick, I, I wouldn't, it's not someone I'd be clamoring to hear from. I've got Dean. to agree with Paul, yeah. I mean, I think he is the absolute safe corporate pair of hands for the WWE. He is, he is a company guy. He's been there for, for years and years. You know, he's an absolute safe pair of hands. Um not really much I could add to what you've said, Paul, but I do, I do agree with you. I think, I mean, he might surprise us, but I, I think I would, I would like, I would like to see if, if Miz was released tomorrow and went to, let's say, AEW, I would like to see how he, how his character translated there, because as you say, there are other people with similar characters. He'd have to tweak things a bit. And he has, he has played the same kind of character for so long. It would be interesting yeah. to see how he could mix, mix things up. I think he could, I totally think he could do it, um, but it would be in that sanitized corporate version of, of WWE where ev everything is a championship and not a belt and it's the WWE universe. And he would, he would just be Vince's guy spouting the, the catchphrases essentially. I'll tell you where I, I would stand on him, where I would stand on him, and I don't disagree with anything you guys have just said, um, but you just mentioned Roddy Piper uh, yeah. about how you liked Piper. Now, I agree, I quite liked Piper on commentary to an extent, and I'm not a huge Roddy Piper guy in, in terms of, you know, uh, the history of everything, but I liked him on commentary to an extent. But Piper only really worked in a three-man booth, I think. He needed Heenan to play off of. And that meant that you had to have someone through the middle. So it was, you know, take Survivor, SummerSlam 91, for example, as I recall. You had uh, Gorilla in the, in the chair, and you've got Piper one side of him, and you've got Heenan the other. Now, some people don't like a three-man commentary booth. I personally do, as long as you've got the right three men. And I think a really, really underrated time of commentary is around about the end of 96, beginning of 97, when... The three men on WWF were Vince, JR, and King, right? But what yep. they used to do was Vince was basically the host, but JR was the commentator and Lawler was the color guy. It was it's a they've not really ever done that again. Every every time they've ever ever, ever gone for three men, they have a they have a commentator, Cole, and then two other, you know, color guys. Mm. It's slightly different. But I liked that kind of Vince hosts, does all the bits, the, the interstitial bits, the bits coming in and out of a break, throw into adverts, throw into backstage. But when it was a match, he sort of left off and let, and let JR do the call um, occasionally. And I think The Miz would be a brilliant Vince McMahon in that three. This is why I brought mm. up at the start of this show about not just talking about colour commentary. 
I could see the Miz being the host. If you again, if you go to real sport, you know, Matt, the host of match of the day is Gary Lineker, a footballer. Yeah. The host of Wimbledon is, is Sue Barker, a tennis player. You know, there are lots of examples on the cricket. It's always people, been people like David Gower or whoever. There are a lot of examples of sports people going into the, you know, the, the media side of their sport and hosting even down to lower, you know, lower players like, you know, Scott Minto would host on, on, on the football league and stuff on, yeah, on Sky. Yeah. you know, people would have that role. And I think the Miz would be excellent. I think if yeah. there was a host role, it's one of the reasons I brought it all up. I think he would be brilliant. Hello. And like you say, Paul, he would be Mike Mizanin rather than the Miz. And I think he'd be absolutely tremendous. I'm a little bit surprised there is no Miz podcast. I mean, and if there is, you know, I've, I've missed it. But, you know, in the same way that, you know, Jericho has one and Austin and, and whoever else. And I mean, he, I think he would be a brilliant host of a podcast if he had the right, um, the right environment to, to do interviews and, and whatever. So I would probably have him on, on that side of things more than I would a co-commentator. I think if you ever needed to go to him, he would be utterly safe. And I think yes. if we had to say who is the most likely to get the job, I think he's winning this poll by miles. I would agree with that. But, but yeah, that's, I mean, not I said, here, that's not what we're here to talk about. Yeah, no, I, mean, I described him earlier as a safe corporate pair of hands. So, yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, also, going by your logic, I'd hate to see who you'd want to have hosting Crime Watch. But um, <laughs> it, it took a while. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I think that, that host role is is a, a really really good shout because that is where you want your your corporate guy the face of the company so to, i would totally agree with you on 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 that i would see i could see him doing that role much more than i could see him in the commentator role yeah i think so Agreed. um i'm Agreed. gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna invite um paul benson to give us the next name on the list but while i give him a little bit of time to think i'm going to acknowledge um those of us those of uh though you listening that love us meant doing a little bit of a a football mention. We've just done a few there. And I have just noticed, Dean Ayas, for those of you that are watching on the YouTube uh, video, what, show me what's on your shirt. It's I caught that earlier. It's Mexican. It's the, um, the copy of the Panini um, sticker album for Mexico 86, the greatest well, World Cup of all time. Well, funnily enough, and obviously not knowing you own that shirt and not knowing you were going to wear it on this, where I normally wear wrestling apparel for these things, I do have, if I just go back a bit and let me show you, I do have a bit of, which way am I going? There we go. I have a oh, Gordon wow. Banks Original shirt. Banksy. Original Banksy. Gordon Banks uh, in the pose that you would know him from the 1970 World Cup in Mexico. So oh. all the gin joints and all the T-shirts that we could have worn, we, we wear... both worn a sort of Mexico World Cup shirts that's a very uh, I like it. strange thing i like it anyway and, and paul, benson lets us paul? all down by not wearing anything mexico related it's, it's usually something from Mer- some I'm american wearing, sport no one gives a toss about i'm wearing a poncho i'm wearing a poncho i'll go and get my big old hat shall i anyway yeah. um, I, I must say though i have seen uh you're drinking out of an excellent on-brand hooked on wrestling mug that i'm very jealous of yeah, always, I should have mentioned always. that. I should have mentioned that earlier, actually. But um, um, I'm so used to it now. It's either that or his um, Undertaker last ride mug, which he's probably got next. <laughs> oh, there he goes. <laughs> On cue. I knew he'd have it. So uh, and, and, I, uh, ever, I'm drinking Thatcher's gold out of a Peroni glass. 
marvelous and, and hopefully hopefully that mug will be available for the millions and millions of hooked on wrestling viewers uh some fully, available. fully available fully available there you go something else the co-commentator has to say see beyond brand <laughs> set up the everyone else for doing those kind of things i will also say uh, that this sunday uh, on the uh, Hooked on Wrestling YouTube channel and on Facebook Live from 8pm onwards is the weekly Hooked on Wrestling quiz night. Yes, and please. if you participate in the whole evening, you could win something from our new friends, new partners at WWEEuroshop.com who provided us with a, a lovely Jeff Hardy shirt last week. And I believe, Paul, there's something else lined up for Sunday. Indeed. Uh, to one lucky participant this week, and I must stress, not the winner. It's just a random participant. We have got a brand new Matt Riddle, the bro that runs the show t-shirt to give away. So I'm sure there's a few Excellent. people out there who quite like one of those. Um, I might even throw you some Matt Riddle related questions here. Not directly all about Matt Riddle, but I'm going to throw some uh, in the Matt Riddle orbit to you. So um, my next pick. So there's a not... I think this is I think it's a pick that I think it'd be really good. Although there's not a lot to discuss. I think what all I can think, all I can say about this guy is yeah, I think he'd be an excellent commentator. Um, because of you know what we've seen of him before and his attitude and his ability to go both heel and babyface and communicate well. And the way I think he looks like a commentator would look. I'm gonna go Sami Zayn. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I think he would be an absolutely outstanding commentator. I think he understands how to get people over, and we've seen that he can get himself or others over. I think he He's got he's got real genuine excitement in his voice, which is something you can never truly say about you know some of the guys there in their promos. He can be an effective whiny heel. He can be a, a sympathetic face, um, and I think he looks like a commentator. Like he's not, you know, he's not a big bruising brute. He would look very cool in a suit, and he would fit right in their ringside. I would go as far as to say Sami Zayn would be a phenomenal commentator. Definitely, totally agree. Um, he also he's a that that old saying of a, he's a student of the game. He. He know you know when um I've before he went to WWE um I had the pleasure of working with him on a numerous occasions and, and it wasn't just that you know obviously as an independent wrestler you'd go where the money was and stuff but he he travelled all around um the US all around England all around Europe Japan for that purpose of learning different wrestling styles and, and he wouldn't just like show up to a show and do his match and hang out with his mates. He'd be like, you'd have converse, you know, we'd, we'd have conversations about famous matches that might've been at this venue or people from certain wow. towns. And, and, you know, he would, yeah, he would want to know about um, why certain things got over in certain places. He, he's yeah very much, uh, again, that wrestling intelligence that we talked about, um, and you know, when when you say Sami Zayn, I guess you also immediately think of Kevin Owens. Um, you know, the two go go hand in hand, and for very similar reasons, in that he can he can just talk and communicate so well. I would put Kevin Owens in that in that group as well, because with both of them, they are such strong promos, but they're intelligent promos and. I, I just get that feeling that they could adapt to whatever was asked of them 
um, including getting stopping getting themselves over and getting other wrestlers over as commentators. You've 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 got to step ahead of me there, Dean, and I completely agree on the Kevin Owens thing. But one thing, I'll, you know, one thing I'll add to that is: can you imagine them as a team? You know, yeah. Sammy Sammy Zayn uh, in the in the sort of play by play, Kevin Owens as the color commentator, as you know, the face and the heel dynamic. Can you imagine how good that would be with the natural yeah. chemistry they've got? Yeah, there is always the danger with that, though, because I've had this happen before where you know someone so well and you're good friends with them outside the ring that you end up commentating to amuse yourselves rather than... <laughs> right, okay, okay, yeah. That is the only risk there. But, yeah, I, I think, I, you know, I would put both of them together if we're discussing one, we discuss the other because they're, they're so intrinsically linked. Um, but I think for, you know, for similar reasons to one another, they would be excellent. I would like to see the the day where those two are in the uh, the English commentary chair, and then in the French commentary chair is Kevin Steen and El Generico, uh, and then they, <laughs> and then they run around the corner to be uh, someone else as well, trying to uh, fill in all the different uh, different chairs. Um, I would say that the I, the thing that would hold both of them back. I'm going to play devil's advocate because you boys have put a very very strong argument for uh, both of them, and I'm, I'm not really minded to disagree massively. But we'll play devil's advocate. And I would say something that would hold both of them back, especially Owens, is the accent. I think the same way that we would talk about the big shows, the way he speaks, sounds like he's got something in his mouth. I think you would struggle. A lot of Americans would struggle. And I do mean Americans would struggle listening to Kevin Owens, French Canadian dialect for for too long. I'm not sure that's the easiest voice to listen to for more than a 10 or 15 minute segment. I, I, I not much to add other than I completely disagree. Uh, I think Owens and Sami Zayn have both got very clear, very acceptable accents, especially. I think Zayn has. In the past. I think Zayn's got a much better voice than Owens. There's another thing that's really worth pointing out, which is that, um, as well, yeah, you've touched it there, Rob, but as well as the English commentary, you could put. Kevin Owens could easily be on the French commentary desk with Raymond Rougeau and Sami Zayn could easily be on the Arabic language commentary desk. So you, by, you know, by employing those two as commentators, you would have two bilingual people that you could, you could go to two different desks. Yeah. Very good point. Do you know what? I'll, I'll make a very quick point here. So I don't want to, I don't want to derail this too much. We've got a lot of names to go through and we've, uh, we've already uh, been nearly an hour here, but Something that um, I think ought to be discussed more often, which is that they seem to be always be, almost every wrestling company seems to be stuck on a partnership or, you know, a, a certain group of people that commentate every week. There's nothing really to say, is there, that one week it could be, for example, Michael Cole and Samoa Joe, and then the next week it could be Michael, Joe, Michael Cole and Sami Zayn, and the week after it could be Michael Cole and... Kevin Owens, and the week after it could be Tom Phillips and, you know, MVP. There's no reason why you couldn't change the commentary team more often. Do you know what I mean? To keep there being, I know you want a certain amount of continuity, but again, once again, in the football, quite a lot, it's Martin Tyler and Gary Neville, but it isn't always, is it? Do you know what I mean? There's there's, there's often a a different co-commentator or a different commentator that you're used to hearing. I'm surprised they don't chop and change it a wee bit more just to, even if, even certain hours, like in the old days of Nitro, you used to get Shivani and Larry Zabisco for the first hour, and then you'd get Eric Bischoff and Bobby Heenan for the second hour. Like, 
it's, there's nothing there's nothing to say you can't change it up a little bit a little bit more often i think i'd like to see them do that i think it would help the wrestlers from becoming stale and sitting in the same place for for three hours and trying to knock out a whole show yeah i think that's a, i think that's a fair shout and i did they used to do that in um in the late 90s when they had raw is war and monday night raw did they change the commentators there as well yeah they, they did i think they might have yeah yeah, yeah. They, they did they, they did from time to time sometimes it was just the cocom sometimes it was the the host stayed the same and they might flip between like King and Jim Cornette or something like that. But they, yeah, they did used to change it. I mean, another thing that you could consider with that is once they, once they start touring again, you could always have different commentators in different parts of the country just to cut down in transport costs. So, you know, you could have, you could have a New York based commentator do the Northeast and, you know, Jerry Lawler do the Southern States and someone else do the West coast. And, you know, you could, you could bounce it around like that. I mean, to throw back to like the old, the old British TV days, I mean, Kent Walton was always the, the solo commentator there, but you would always you know, you'd go around the country and you'd have different referees and you'd have different MCs um, depending on where they were in the country. I would also add that you know, this is an this is an area where we're 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 grasping for viewers and, and ratings as much as is possible. Do you know what people like a bit of variety and people like a little bit yeah. of I wonder who it's going to be this week? Take for example, you know, have I got news for you? Has now been on TV longer with guest hosts than it was yeah. with Angus Deaton. Yeah, you know, Ang- Angus Deaton was the host for about ten or eleven years. It's been eighteen, nineteen years since he left. You know, I was going to so, say it's considerable a difference, isn't it? And and you know, never mind the Buzzcocks went down that route. There's other other you know shows that have had a rolling host. You don't have to uh, to to stay with it. I think sometimes it can uh, can keep people guessing. Uh, right, I've got another name for you, folks. We've talked about someone that uh, is comfortable as a babyface, someone that's comfortable as a heel, someone that can cut a promo. We've also referred to a few people already that have had like a talk show segment. You know, someone like you talked about Roddy Piper in the past, Kevin Owens in the present that have had that segment, I'll roll all of those into one. Someone confident, someone with a great voice, heel, babyface, talk show segment, I give you Alexa Bliss. Yep. She would be brilliant. I think similar to what Paul said about um, Chris Jericho, I don't think, you know, so far we haven't found anything that she can't do. She is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal, and a, a really good, strong personality, knows how to get herself over, knows how to get the, the baby face over when she is a heel. Yeah, really good shout. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's notable that all the names we've mentioned so far have been have been male. Um Absolutely, we should have some female names on that list, and and she would be an, an excellent shout. Yeah, definitely agree. I adore Alexa Bliss. I think she's wonderful. I think she's probably the most underrated female talent of the last five six years. She always flies under the radar when you talk about that women's revolution. You know, she's not. I don't know whether it's because not taken seriously because of how she looks or the fact that she's not the best wrestler out of the bunch or whatever it is. She's phenomenal. I don't think she'd make as good a commentator as you boys do. Um, and there's one simple reason, and it and it might even sound a bit sexist, but it certainly isn't meant to. I just don't think she's got a strong enough voice. I don't think her she's got the gravitas that, that you'd need in that position. 
Um, and I think Renee Young had the same problem when she did raw commentary. I think her delivery was fantastic, but she just didn't have that oomph behind her. And, you know, it's great to have female voices um, on wrestling programs, but they do have to be able to deliver. And, um, and I don't think she does necessarily. I think she's very quiet and understated. And even in her wrestling characters like that, I just, I just don't see it. I, I mean, I, I do. I, I do, which is obviously why I brought it up. And I think that mm. I agree with you about Renee, um, but I think she was miscast. I think they needed, mm. a, they, oh, we need a woman. Renee can do it. And it was like, actually, yeah, agree. Renee is phenomenal at her job. Um, as a backstage interviewer, as a host of um, you know shows like Backstage or the the panels and whatever, she yep. is brilliant. She's one of the most natural talents to have come along in a very long time. The first two or three times I saw her on TV, I was like, "This is a star. She is a star." But she is, she's not a commentator. Whether it's a lead commentator like they tried to have her do on NXT, or whether it's one of the th- three person booths on Raw, or whatever, she's not very good at it. It's just just the way it goes. Now that's that's hardly a criticism. Do you know what I mean? That's you know, there's plenty of people that we can you know we can pick on for not being very good at something. I once saw um, Stephen Redgrave do a, a golf exhibition, and I thought I'm probably a better golfer than Stephen Redgrave. He has, however, got five more or six more um, Olympic gold medals than me, and probably always will do. Um, <laughs> but I'm allowed to be a better golfer than I Steve like- Redgrave. That's just the way it goes. Um, yeah. But you know, in terms of the, the commentary, I think. Um, you're right. I'm not sure there has been yet a great female commentator because I'm not sold on Beth Phoenix, if I'm truthful. No. Um, I think she's a little bit um and an iron. What I will say is that I think sometimes you can find good examples of um, how people are in other strands of the WWE network. And for whatever reason, I found myself a couple of months ago during the deep recesses of, uh, of lockdown, just going through different shows on the network. And I struck upon table for three which for those okay. of you who haven't seen Table 3, it's essentially three people from the roster that are linked in some sort of tenuous way, essentially having dinner and chatting about wrestling. It's a 15, 20-minute show. And Alexa is on two or three of them. And she is just so likeable and engaging, funny, witty. There's just something about her. She's just got, and I'm, you know, I sound like I'm a, you know, I'm a smitten schoolboy here. But forget what she looks like, right? There's just, she's got some, she's got charisma, she's likeable. And she's on one with Braun Strowman and they've obviously got some sort of, you know, there's a, there's a relationship there. I'm not talking about an actual one, but I'm saying that, uh, you know, they obviously get on well. This is after the, the team little big stuff. But there's yeah. others, and I won't name the others because it's not fair, but there's other episodes of that. And there's people that you think on, on TV, oh, they could be an interesting character. And then you see the real them. They're a bit boring and they're a bit weird mm. and they're a bit, oh, crikey, really? Is that what they're like? And I, I won't name them because that's not nice. But she was not one of them. She was one that I watched and went, oh, wow, she's got something, this girl. Lexi Kaufman has something, you know, as well as Alexa Bliss having something. And I would factor that in in my one of the reasons that I would put her there. I think she has the, the qualities that Dean talked about before, being wrestling intelligent and also being able to think on her feet. I think if something went, you know, disastrously wrong in the booth and hers was the only microphone working, I think she would have the sense to say, okay, I'm now the, the head of this. And then she would talk sensibly and throw to the break. I could see her doing all that. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the reasons I put her forward. And I have thought about the whole female roster. I do have a couple of other names that I would consider throwing into this chat. 
Um, but she, of all the, I, I definitely wanted to make sure there was at least some female representation, and she was the one that jumped to the front of my mind. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with Paul that there is, you know, she, as far as her voice not being powerful enough to to kind of be be heard alongside the deeper, boomier male voices. But that's not her fault. That to me is the fault of the sound engineer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can you you can amp people up you can change their levels on on their microphone and you know if that is if that is happening um then that is just a few you know a few a few twiddles on the on the desk and you sort that out well look certainly criticizing alexa bliss is not a hill i ever want to die on um so i'm i'll i'll just bow to you guys on that one because i'd love to be proved wrong I think I think I think she'd be a great sell, and I, and I don't want to turn this into a male-female debate because that's not what we're here for. We're certainly not into tokenism. Um, but while we started that thread, is there anyone else that you guys would like to throw up? Dean, I'll start with you. Is there anyone else that you know from a, a female perspective that you think? Uh, and I don't like doing this, by the way, folks. I wish everything was all in one big melting pot, as it were. But let's face it, it isn't. So I think while while we're on this um, on this side of things, is there anyone else that you can think of from uh, female in WWE or any other company? By the way, this is not limited to WWE, AEW. You know, this yeah. could be um, you know Br- British wrestling, or it could be TNA, or it could be any- anywhere you want to go. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I think Paige would be a good shout because just of the you know she grew up in a in a wrestling family. She grew up in a promotion. She you know she knows wrestling inside out. Um, I don't think the accent would be a problem for the American audiences because she's done plenty of promos in the WWE. Um, you know, she's someone who doesn't have a, an active role currently. Um, and I know, you know, she's obviously she's very young, but she started so young. Her, you know, her experience belies her age. Not a bad shout, Paul. Anything? Uh, well, I've got the other. The only other female I've got on my list is, and it's an obvious one. But Becky Lynch. Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get any prize for originality or ingenuity on this one. But she's got a lot to say for herself. You know, there, there's a reason why she's called the man. It's because she's ballsy and she can hold her own in a, in a verbal joust. She's got an interesting accent that is pleasant on the ear that people understand. And she's got a high profile. I think Becky Lynch would be a phenomenal commentator. Maybe that's the way she goes. If she wants to, she wants to hang things up. I, I don't know what her ability like to read the game is, as it were. Um, she's never been put in that position, but I, I think she's got all the qualities she needs to make a fantastic commentator. I'll take a little side side route on this, um, and I'll come back to Becky. This is deliberate. Would you boys, in, in, in a word almost, you know, in a very, very, you know, one sentence response, do either of you think that Stone Cold Steve Austin would have been a good co-commentator? No. No, not, not long big, term. Too big a character. Too big a character. See, I, in, in I see Becky we, like that. That's a good, yeah, it's possible. Because when we're talking about, you know, the, the great wrestlers and that, you know, you think, think about, the amazing achievements of Bruno Sammartino. Did you ever hear him commentate? It was, it was rubbish. To listen to, yeah. Um, 
and I think, yeah, I think Stone Cold is such an iconic figure. Similar if, like, The Rock came back to do commentary. I don't think yes. we'll be listening to a word he said. It would just be, oh, wow, The Rock's here, and that, that would be the focus of it. Um, I think I don't think Becky Lynch is at that level just yet, but maybe in a in a parallel universe, if there wasn't a pandemic and if she didn't fall pregnant and was carrying on wrestling full time for another three years at that level, then maybe maybe she'd be at that stone cold level. I don't think she's there yet. It's not the level that I'm necessarily talking about. It's the kind of the thing that got her popular was the single minded. I'm out for myself, don't need no one else attitude. And would you agree with me that the Becky Lynch character began to falter when they started associating her with Seth Rollins? Definitely, you know, yes. The, Unquestion- the tr- Unquestionably. The, the, the real life, you know, let's, let's portray the real life, you know, couple on screen, it didn't work. Having her be a little bit vulnerable... You know, she's not Rapunzel, is she? You know, it, having her be the vulnerable character didn't work. And I just see her, her, you know, her stick out her chin, be the man character. You can't be that on commentary, can you? You can't be that sort of, it's all about me. You've got to be a little... Now, listen, she might be brilliant, but I don't see anything in the character of the last kicker and the character of the man to tell me that she could do it. I think what I've never met her, but what I know about the woman that I've heard about and what I've seen her from interviews and stuff, I think possibly because I think she's she's bright and she gets the game and, and whatever. But I, I, dis- I also disagree with you on the accent. I, again, do think the accent would be a, a boundary. I think it's a, it's quite a strong. I'm going to offend our Irish listeners now if I get the wrong area. But to me, it sounds like a very strong Dublin accent. Um, and I think I think it would be an issue over, over three hours. It wouldn't be an issue for Vince McMahon because Vince McMahon considers himself Irish-American and so he could forgive anything. He also also considers himself a redneck depending on the day of the week. So (laughs) uh, we're talking about how to be great here and not how to get into Vince's head. It's a completely uh, different thing. Um, I'd like to mention Sasha. Uh, I'm not necessarily I'd push for her to be in our final five, but... Um, again, I'm going uh, going on some media outside of the wrestling, uh, the, the, what's portrayed to you on television. I remember listening back to back, and, I, and I'll, I don't mean to dish your suggestion here, uh, Dean, but I remember listening back to back when I, on a walk one day to Paige on Talkies Jericho and Sasha on Talkies Jericho. And Sasha, Mercedes as it is, her real name, absolutely blew Paige out of the water for the way she spoke, how coherent she was, likability, absolutely everything. The real-life Sasha Banks just blew me away on Talk is Jericho. She was so likable. She was so knowledgeable. She made me want to watch her on TV more, made me want to believe in her story. And I didn't get that from, from Paige. She was a bit giggly and a little bit unsure of herself. And I thought she came across poorly on that show. Everyone has a bad day. I'm not judging someone on an yeah. interview on a podcast, right? But I thought, I think Sasha, there's something about Sasha Banks that gets, I think she seems like she's got a lot going on in, yeah. her, in her head. I think as well, in a similar way that we, we, we said, when you mentioned Sami Zayn, you've got to mention Kevin Owens. When you mentioned Sasha Banks, you've got to mention Bailey. And I think um, from previous, like, document, not documentaries, but, you know, little, little um, vignettes they've done before, yeah, we know that, 
that she is a, a wrestling fan from childhood. Um, so she has a genuine passion for it. And also um, I've seen where she's been, she's been learning production. She's been, she's been what, you know, rather than just going to the back and getting changed and playing cards or having a beer or whatever, she's been backstage watching how the show is put together and learning things for a, a you know, for her future past wrestling. So I think she would also make a very good, um, a very good color commentator as well. Agree. Just, 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 just so I, I can hear the sound of my own voice. I agree with everything you guys have said on that. Every, every word of it. Excellent. Can, I was going to say, can I, can I throw another name into the hat that is someone who, um, full disclosure, I know very well, and therefore I am biased, but I think would make a tremendous, tremendous commentator when he retires, um, and that is Chris Hero or Cassius Ono. Okay. Um, okay. He he is. I mean, if you if you follow him on Twitter, he um he you know tongue in cheek calls himself I think you know, a bit of a professor, a bit of a wrestling genius, all this sort of thing. Um, who would call he, themselves that? I know. That sort who, of hey, person. Um, but but he he is a real genuine student of the game, a historian, a collector, absolutely passionate about wrestling. Um, and to me, he is someone that I think would be, um, not many people may consider straight off the bat, but he would definitely be a, a short list rather than a long list for me. Because the way I would put it is, imagine if you had Mike Tanay as a commentator, but Mike Tanay had also had a 20-year wrestling career. Okay. I think with, with, with Chris, you would combine those two. You, he would have the knowledge and the history and the understanding and the world travel. Plus, he's been in the ring and can tell you how uh, – this is something I always enjoyed with Larry Zabisco. I know he wasn't everyone's cup of tea, but Larry Zabisco would tell you how a, a hold worked and why it hurt you and what it did to your body and things like that. I absolutely think Chris Hero would be a really good shout as a, a future commentator. Look, I, I have to be honest. I don't. I'm not familiar enough with Chris Hero, um, certainly as a personality, to make any sort of judgment. But Dean, I completely, uh, completely uh, go with your gut on that one. Yeah, if you're if you feel that strongly about it, then works for me. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I certainly couldn't argue against it. All I'll say in terms of you know, the purposes of this, uh, the podcast, trying to get down to five is I, I don't think if if you played me the tape of five different people talking. I don't think I could tell you which one of them was Chris Hero, Oblique, Cassius Ono. I'm not familiar with his speaking voice. I'm not familiar with him as a, as a promo. That's partly down to me, um, but it's also partly down to his portrayal, both in Ring of Honor, you know, in a wrestling tag team for the bulk. When I watched him in Ring of Honor, I know him from the Kings of Wrestling with Claudio yeah. Castagnoli, and I don't know them as talking. I know them as being great wrestlers. Uh, and Cassius Ono in NXT, I'm sure he did a little bit here and there on the stick, but broadly speaking, you know, is as a wrestler. So you know that far better than me. I wouldn't disagree with you um, because you would know better. I, I don't see a way of him getting on R5 because I think we've got so many good choices that uh, mm. are clearer and have got a better CV. He's the person, if you were taking everyone's CV, he'd need to, he'd need to storm the interview because the, the, the candidates are going to have better CVs than him. But if he could, if he could, you know, absolutely storm the interview, then he might get past the panel. 
Um, let me just have can a little... I, uh, can I just, while we're, while we're talking about Chris Hero, it's a yep. good a time to, to lob in Cesaro. Now, I know it's going to fail your accent test, Rob, obviously, but... <laughs> no, listen, um, no, my, no, 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 listen, you, no, you, draw, you make me sound like I'm just going to say anyone that's got an accent doesn't work. I'm happy with Zane. I think Zane, Zane would be all right. Nigel McGuinness is fine. You know, Nigel McGuinness has got a different accent. Um, you mentioned Drake Maverick earlier on. He'd be okay because... He, he would be, be brilliant. He'd he be amazing. Be bit, he might be a little bit dummy towards when you're talking or whatever, but he's actually got a way of speaking that is clear to Americans. You know, think about the way that Regal talks. You know, yeah. the way that William Regal does not talk like, you know, what's his real name? Darren Matthews. Darren Matthews. You know, that's, you know, he talks kind of, you know, to Peter Darren is a bit, it's a terrible speaking voice, but William Regal is much more different. You know, it, it, it comes out differently. And so, um, so Maverick would be fine. There's lots of other people with accents that would be fine. I wouldn't say Cesaro's accent would be a problem. I just, I don't see him as being the, you know, I, I think he would have the, what you were saying about Alexa, I would say even more for Cesaro about, you know, project. I listen. I love Cesaro to death. I think he's one, he's one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. And I think, to me, his character is in his body language. I think Cesaro is a bit of an Owen Hart. I've always thought Owen Hart was a pretty crap promo, actually. But all of Owen's heel mannerisms were in his body language. He's the one of the greatest body language heels I've ever seen. I think also with Cesaro, similar to what we were saying about Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, um, Cesaro speaks, I think he's like four different languages. I think he's like English, French, Italian, yes. and German. So yeah. so you could um, you could dot him around different commentary tables. Yeah. I remember, you know, Ger that, German commentator's been eaten by a bear. Quick, get Cesaro. <laughs> <That's what I'm laughs> that reminds um, me of... Reminds me of something I once heard Matt Lucas say about Arsene Wenger. So he speaks 11 different languages, including Pingu. <laughs> <laughs> Dean, do you want to lob us one in, mate? Do you want to, do you want to give us one? Um, so actually, before, before you do, because I think it's a good time to do it, I just want to, um, to go through some of the comments from the, uh, from the social media pages of, of people that we'll probably skip over a little bit, but they, they warrant a mention and people have been good enough to, uh, uh, to, to comment. Once I've gone through them, Feel free, both of you, to stop me if you feel that uh, anyone that I've mentioned uh, I've gone over slightly unfairly. Um, and I'm just chopping through a few people's comments. Uh, Simon Robbins refers to, says that Gallows and Anderson were hysterical on Talk and Shop this week, uh, although they'd have to tone it down a bit for a, a PG audience. Um, Graham Lodge says he's not watching any of the Twitch stuff, but if he's quick as entertaining in real life, what about Rusev? Uh, as being uh, and uh, someone possibly uh, Simon can Kevin Owens would be magic. James D says uh, the Big Show has deep knowledge and a recognisable voice, along with a sense of humour to be a great commentator. And we've covered that to an extent. Uh, yeah. Anthony Bolt says our truth would certainly make it interesting. Uh, Pradeep Kachala says usually someone who's under the radar, but what about Elias? Um, Simon yeah. Wilson says Dean Ambrose and KO presumably means Owens rather than Ono. Uh, Andy Keenan, the Miz can talk at the best of times. Uh, Nick Roadley offers up Scott Dawson and Titus O'Neill as a couple of uh, as options. Josh Morris, uh, Aiden English, when he was doing commentary, he was someone I enjoyed. Uh, Robert Powell, uh, who may or may not be the person that portrayed uh, Jesus in the, uh, the, the epic and then went on to be in the detectives with Jasper Carrot. Uh, but he says, absolutely, John Laurinaitis for comment, colour commentary. Might be a bit tongue-in-cheek, that one. I, I just want to clear my throat every time I heard him. There, mm. uh, Zach Ryder would be awesome, says Dave Marvel. 
Jonathan Hagen says Colt Cabana. Uh, Ryan Richards, Adam Cole. And then Simon Bartley has a long uh, speech on why Eva Marie would kill it on the mic. Hmm. Maybe not on that one. But anyone in that list, I'll rattle through. Titus O'Neill is a really good shout. Um, He is, again, someone who is corporate intelligent, wrestling intelligent. He knows how to communicate. He knows how to portray himself and therefore would know how to portray others Good, clear speaking voice. I think our truth, the problem with uh, when our truth name came up, I thought yes, but I think actually his his accent is a is a bit too too strong to sometimes. Too gruff. Yeah, too gruff. Too, too gruff. Whereas I think Titus um, is a is a lot clearer speaking voice. Um, I think that's a really good shout. Actually, I agree it on is, that one. It is, isn't it? And and again, again, let's let's address something head on. Um, it's we're not going to skirt around and it certainly doesn't affect our decisions because we don't think in those terms, none of us three, but there are, there are times where the WWE will say, okay, we need more black representation. And I think actually sometimes there's been, it's been harmful in that they've pushed people to the fore who probably aren't ready for it simply because they need to represent a certain demographic. And that's not always the right way to be. But I think if they were to look at it and say, we need more um, black voices on the show, and they went with Titus O'Neil. I think they could do a lot worse. I think he'd be very, very good. Yeah. I think he would be a good example. I'm not for. I'm not talking about you know positive discrimination and all that kind of stuff. I'm not getting bogged down in it. But we all know it happens. We all know that it happens to a bad extent and to a good extent. If you see my drift, um, but if they happen to go with him for whatever reason, I think Titus O'Neil would be good at his job because he's good at his job, not because he happens to be a black man. Correct. Yeah. He'd be good at his job, and he happens to be a, a black man. So you've got that. And, and the same with where we said about female voices, you yeah, you want to have you want to have diversity. You want to have broad representation across across the spectrum of, of genders, races, um, ages, everything. And you know the the premise of this is is you know for for what people will do once their careers are over and. Um, yeah, I think Titus O'Neil's got many, many years ahead of him in the ring, so long as he is a bit more careful coming down the ramp for Rumble. Be <laughs> to be um, clear, everybody, I'm I'm a big believer in if the if the best three people for the job are three white men, then you should employ three white men. If the best people for the job are three black women, then you employ employ three black women. It should be the best people for the job, no matter who definitely. they are. We we all get that, right? But we also know that television executives have to try and represent a lot of different people. And I think it's been harmful that sometimes someone has been elevated because of uh, they might fit a certain minority tick. And that's a shame. And it ends up with people going, oh, it turns out that women aren't very good at commentary, which, of course, is nonsense. It just might mean that the ones they've chosen to try and tick a box haven't necessarily done the job. That's what I'm getting at. And I'll leave this kind of tinder box alone. Um, but I think Titus O'Neil is a really good example. I think he, I think he would be. I don't think he'd be in R5, but I think he'd be a good. I think he'd be good if he was called upon. The I'm, only one I want to. Sorry, Dean, go on. You, no, sorry, Paul, you go. Well, I was just going to say the one, the other one I want to pull out from there, but I don't think there's enough evidence to get him close to the five. But I do want to acknowledge him. Um, it's Elias. Okay. I think I think he's got everything. I think he's got all the tools. I think he's got the charisma. I think he's got the voice. I think he's um, got the ability to connect with an audience. He's got look. I think he's got everything he needs to be a great commentator. Apart from, I don't think he's quite got. I think there'll be too many intent. Uh, well, too much 
guesswork involved in us putting him on the five. There's a lot more people who've shown us a lot more. Um, I don't think we could. I don't think we could take him in. But if we're having this conversation two or three years time, maybe we could. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do let's do a couple of those then, because I've got a couple of those, the ones that I instinctively think would be good. A little bit like your um, Chris Hero shout, Dean, uh, and we've mentioned you know a couple of others there, including Elias. And there's a couple that I instinctively think would be okay, but I don't expect people to vote for them, uh, and I don't expect them to get into our five. Um, I'll offer up another one, and it, and it falls into a similar thing that I was saying before about someone who impressed me on a on a table for three. Uh, show on the network and whenever I've seen him speak I just think he's confident he's likeable he's got a great tone of voice he fits something demographically I'm going to offer up Ricochet every time I've ever seen Ricochet speak I just think he's he just seems like he's got something about him he's got charisma he's got a great voice he seems to know his subject he's likeable I think he'd be excellent I don't think he's one of the obvious choices for this kind of podcast and I don't think anyone would vote for him if I put him on the five, but I think he'd be great. I think he fits the Chris Hero shout that, that Dean came up with. Okay. Yeah, I uh, didn't come into my thinking, but good shout. I think he's, he can be a bit soft-spoken, but again, you just need, and there's, uh, there's the Benson family cat making an appearance. Oh, uh, Dizzy's in. Hello, Dizzy. There is... Um, yeah, I think he's he's reasonably softly spoken, but I I don't know that he's as much of a, a, a student of the game and a historian as um as Chris Hero or Sami Zayn would be. But um, but, but no, good. I, I could see him. I could see him easily doing the job there. Yeah. Anyone, Paul? In that bracket. Um. um I suppose the only one in that bracket I've got, and. It's Bobby Roode. Oh, okay. I never thought of that. Now, Bobby Roode to me would be almost a throwback. And I'm, I might even be just saying this because I can imagine him wearing a tuxedo with his moustache and welcoming us to WWF All-American Challenge um, or All-American Wrestling or whatever it is. But um, I think he's. I think there'd be something there. And yeah, I, there's not anywhere near enough evidence for me to make a case for him but i'd love to see him get given a shot uh, get given him a shot i i mean listen you will know that as long as you've known me paul i've been a huge bobby Roode for i love oh bobby yes Roode. i think he's great i've always championed him even before you know i was literally i can remember having a conversation with you know people backstage at tna on the night that beer money became a thing the first right. teamed up in Liverpool in 2008. I remember my re- my reference to um, Bobby Roode was I called him Mister Almost Perfect because he yeah. was it was a Kurt Hennig sort of style wrestler. There was just something a wee bit missing that he didn't have that Kurt Hennig had. But I've always loved Bobby Roode. I think he's I think he's great. But I would ne- I would have never have thought of him for this list. I have to say, I, I just I just don't see him as a the charisma, the talking. If you interview Bobby Roode, he's actually quite introverted. Um, mm. I, I, I would struggle to see him in that role, I have to say, but uh, I love him yeah. in almost every other way. I was just going to say, I, I've conducted an interview with him for a, a, another website, and, and yeah, he it, it wasn't an easy... You know, there are some people that you just ask a question and sit back and, and listen to them, and, and that he was harder 
harder work, I'd say. I, I think I think also we I, I don't think we've done enough justice to, to Drake Maverick Rockstar Spud. We sort of okay, covered him briefly, but I think with with him, similar to to what we've said about about Jericho and, and others that everything he has done, he has succeeded in. He's he's been a wrestler, he's been um Dixie Carter's stooge, he's been um a, a commissioner, a manager, back to a wrestler. You know, he even was able to to make a, a success out of a storyline of getting fired and then not getting fired. And I he he is someone who I, I I would actually go out on the limb and say I don't know of anyone else in the whole wrestling business that I am aware of that gets the wrestling business as well as as he does. He that is he has absolutely got it. And um, I mean I think you wrote an article for Hooked on Wrestling website when when he got released originally, Paul, along along similar lines. And I just yep. think if if you just if you said to if you said to to Drake Maverick tomorrow, you are going to be a commentator next week. He would spend the rest of this week doing his research and practicing and recording himself and getting himself as good as he possibly could be, and then would go and blow it out the park. I I completely share your opinion of Drake Maverick, James Spud, whatever you want to call him. Um, I think he's absolutely wonderful. I think he's turned his hands to everything he did. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go a bit Alexa Bliss on him and put a caveat. My only and it would by the way, he would probably disprove this um straight away. My my Amazon device is going off when I mentioned Miss Bliss. Um that's annoying. <laughs> um, but I would uh but I would I would say the only thing that would hold him back potentially is he excels as the fall guy. He is he is the guy that take that slips on the banana and makes everyone laugh outrageously at him. I'm not sure whether that translates to having the where not the way at all. That's the wrong word. So having that gravitas, I mentioned it earlier, that would make people believe what he's got to say. I think he's much better in that sympathetic underdog fall guy role. Um, and like I say, do you mean fully you mean prove me wrong. The, the kind of role that was perfected by uh, Bobby Heenan? Yes, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, that's all I can say to that is that I just I don't disagree with you. Um, I I it could be that he steps into that role. Listen, I think you could have this conversation twenty five years ago, twenty six years ago, and we'd be saying what a good job Ted DiBiase would do. And if anyone ever listened to the Royal Rumble nineteen ninety four, it's one of the worst commentary performances you've ever heard in your life. So none of this is is set in stone. And I think you've got a point about about Drake and about how he could be and how it could be. He needs to be the focus, or needs to be a fall guy. He needs to, as they say in the wrestling industry, he needs to show ass and you know be the one to make a fool of himself. But you know, I would say all of those things would apply to Bobby Heenan as a manager and mm. as a wrestler. And, and I agree, Rob. Heenan, yeah. Heenan was magnificent in that role. So I think because by the way, what some people will be listening to this thinking is why haven't they just done who's the greatest color commentator ever? And it's basically, folks, it's because what we would do is we'd talk about it for an hour and a half, we'd bash a few names around, we'd come up with a list, and then Bobby Heenan would win. So yeah. it's, you know, there's some, there's some things we just don't cover because we know who's going to win, and Bobby Heenan would win that. So um, we might be able to find two or three others to, 
to to fight for it, but we ultimately know who would win it. And this is a lot more uh, open and, and intangible. But and we we would never know how it would go until it actually happens. But I would simply state as a there having been a an example for it in the past of someone that's had a kind of career similar to Drake. Because people often say, don't they, that you know we wouldn't have seen a lot of Bobby Heenan wrestling. But a lot mm, of people no. say if he'd have just stayed as a wrestler and nothing else his entire life, he'd have been a perfectly acceptable wrestler. Not a world champion or anything, but he would have had a 25-year career as a mid-card wrestler if he'd wanted to. As it happened, he was a far better manager and an even better broadcaster. But, um, you know, Drake could be, you know, Rockstar Spud, he could be that that similar sort of guy. Mm. We're not dismissing his wrestling ability because he happens to be short, you know, but it it is a negative against him. So he's managed to parlay it into other ways and, and done a brilliant yeah. job. Yeah. Well, let, let, let me put it this way: Would I put him on my top five? It was just up to me. Absolutely. Oh, I'm not arguing with him. I think he's got a great shout of when we come to this at the end. You, I wouldn't be. Yeah. I wouldn't be dying. You mentioned about being a hill to die on earlier. Yeah. I'd be. Uh, I'd be in a similar sort of vein. Uh, well, let me just stay English for the time being, because we, we're talking about people that are good promos. I've got a good speaking voice. Nick Aldis. Mm-hmm. My negative against him, and by the way, I think he's one of the best talkers in the world right now in terms of knowing his character, knowing everything that he should be doing. I think both com- both major companies, if we call them that, WWE and AEW, are mad that they've not you know got him so far. I think it's in- I think he'd be I think he would be a perfect top heel in AEW particularly because mm-hmm. he's the kind of person that fans of that company don't want. He's a Triple H. He's a JBL. Yeah. They don't want someone like that. They want people that are going to dazzle and have five-star matches and be the elite. And he'll come in and be different. And he would be amazing. However, if there's a drawback to him as a commentator, I feel it's that everything I've seen about Nick Aldis in his career is about Nick Aldis. I was just about to say, I, I don't know, because he is a wrestler, he has a wrestler's mindset, therefore everything he talks about is to put himself over, which is his job. Yeah, not so, criticism. No, 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 absolutely. And, that, and that's why he's so good at what he does, because he does that so well. But I I don't know, I have no evidence, because he hasn't done it, I don't know how well he could translate that from stop talking about myself and start talking about and putting over other people. He might be fantastic at it, but I agree with you. He's so good at doing what he does as a wrestler. I don't know if he translates it over to, to putting other people over or not. My only problem with Nick would be that I find, I, I think he's great. Exactly what you've said, uh, Rob. I think he's, I think he's got a lot of tools make a really good heel in AEW. My weakness with Nick is when he tries to get passionate and I don't really believe it. Um, you know, I think he's a very insular character and I think that serves him really well in what he's trying to do. I think, but when he tries to sort of, you know, come out of himself, I, I lose, I lose that um, believability factor in him. And I think if he was trying to do that as a commentator, I just don't think he'd project. Like, I, don't, I, I, just, I just don't think it's there. That's a very fair shout. And you know what? If I was, I'm not in a position to do this, by the way, but if I was ever to, if he was ever to ask me for advice, huh, it's not going to happen. But I would possibly say to not do that. You know, I'm not sure that a heel of his stature 
needs to do that. I'm not sure how many times I saw Nick Botwinkle get passionate. You know, and mm, that's someone that I know agreed. Nick bases himself on. You don't need to go down that route. I've only ever seen him do it once effectively. And you were there. Wembley. In fact, both of you were there. Wembley Arena. When, Wembley, yeah. When he tagged with Wembley Samara Arena. Joe. Samara and, Joe, yeah. And he, and, he, and he stood in Wembley Arena in the middle of the ring and he said, tonight, this isn't TNA. This is not Her Majesty's Great Britain. It's not Ireland. It's not Wales. It's not Scotland. Tonight, this is England. And the place went, wow. Because yep. he's allowed to be a baby face for one night because he's in London and he's an Englishman and it worked. But the guy's a heel to the fucking bone, right? In terms of a character. But on that one night, he was allowed to be a baby face. And it is, that was, to me, that was his, as they say in America, his coming out party. That was the day yep. I went, oh, oh, he's got something. He knows he has them in the palm of his hand. I mentioned either on the quiz or on last week's podcast about the same thing for Wade Barrett when he did that thing on NXT when they gave him the winds of change thing. Yeah. And Nick had the exact same thing that night at Wembley. Um, I just wanted to bring him up in this topic because he's such a good talker. He's such a confident character. You, and you know what that character's about. I possibly should have mentioned him in the same sort of breath as an, as an MJF or The Miz because it's that kind of cocky, self-assured you know, peacock of a character. Yeah. But I, I'm certainly not going to be putting him forward for this list, but I, I feel like he was deserving of, of the chat. Mm. I've got five well, more, by the way. Oh, I've, I've only got one more. Okay, I've, let me see. Got, I, I've, I've, got, I've, got, I've got two or three that are a bit throwaway, but I've got two or three more for proper consideration. Let's have, well, one let's have you. yours. Let, one from me. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, I tell you what, let's let's give you two because they kind of come together. You could almost argue three. What about the guys from the New Day? Okay, there. I have a couple of those to talk about as well. So, uh, well, I've, I've got I've got Biggie and Kofi written down. I haven't got Xavier written down, but why not throw his name in? Um, I think out of the three, the one I'd be most interested in would be Biggie. Um, I think he's got such magnificent personality. I think he could he could get anything over. Like, I think he he's, he's got such a quick wit and such likability that I think he could make anything work. And um, for that reason, I'd I'd like to see him in there in the mix. It's funny because out of the three of them, I would have thought Xavier Woods would be the the top contender, and he wasn't on your on your shortlist as such. But I agree, any of them could could do it. But I think he is the one that is. The the most you know he does his his own podcast. He's used to broadcasting. He to me he's got the the quickest mind of them all. I think all three of them could do it easily enough. Um, and all three of them know exactly how to to get get things across with an audience, as you said. Um, and you know, I think they're they're all great shouts. Yeah, I would have Kofi as the the third of my three. I don't think he would have a terrible... I don't think he would have a... Um, I don't think he'd be awful, but I think there's, you know, 50 people like he'd have ahead of him. I don't, I don't think there's... A, I don't think he's a strong contender in any, in any stretch. Um, I agree okay. with Dean. If, if, if I was picking one from the New Day, it would be definitely be Xavier Woods by quite a long way. Um, I don't get Big E, right? I just don't get it. And I also recognise that there's lots of people I don't get that go on to be very, very popular. And, you know, the, the fans get, and it's not about what I get, you know, a 36-year-old Englishman from 
from Devon. You know, it's not really about what I want. That's not, I'm not the target audience anymore. But I just don't get Big E. I think he looks vaguely ridiculous. I um, mean, you know, I think he's weirdly top heavy. I don't think he wears gear that suits him. And I think every time he talks, he's just a bit odd and goofy. Now, I love the New Day. And I think that Big E is a good wrestler. And I think the New Day is an unbelievably good act. I think, Paul, you pushed an opinion a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that they're the best tag team that there's been in the last you know, 10 or 15 years, or best group anyway. And, I, and I'm not going to massively disagree with you with that. But I think he suits the ensemble cast of them joining in and doing the, the whole hoo, hoo, hoo thing and being a bit silly and a bit, a bit wacky, the bootios. And I don't see that on comms. I just don't see it. I, just, I, I see a, a wacky kind of character that can that is brilliant in a 10 or 15 minute segment do me a favor all night no no do me a favor and this isn't really related to our ongoing conversation go back as soon as you get a chance and watch the hell in a cell match between the new day and the usos because that was the moment i got Big E. right in the first five minutes of the match he shows something that i'd never seen before right there i said future world champion and you'll know what i mean when you see it and, Listen, and, I think, and, I think uh, he's got something. I think he's got something, right? And I think had he been brought in slightly differently, it might have been different. But I think his, his instinct too often is to go to the slightly flippant, slightly silly, slightly wide-eyed and caricature. I think he's a bit of a caricature that occasion, occasionally plows the straight and narrow and i think well, he does the caricature too often to be taken seriously not just as a commentator like we're talking about on our podcast but to be thought of as a potential world champion which appears to be the route that they're going down at the moment but what you're saying rob is absolutely spot on for right now but i think there is another chapter to biggie's career that we're yet to see because that group at some point is going to be broken up, whether that breaks up amicably or not. And when they do break up and Big E goes down a singles route, he will be he will need to be repackaged. And I think at that point, repackaging him as someone a bit more serious will be yeah, he'll be taken more credibly as a world title threat, but he will also have the fans right behind him because they are right behind him now as a member of New Day. And I think that is going to be because if we're talking about, you know, in the future for when wrestlers retire, I think Biggie is a long way away from retirement. And we have had the as far as his WWE career goes, we've had the serious singles guy in NXT. We've then had the 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 jokey tag team wrestler in New Day, I think there's another chapter still to be written. This That's sounds fair. ridiculous. This sounds ridiculous, and it is going to sound ridiculous, but I want you to mark these words and come back to them in a year's time. But do you know whose career Big E Big E's having? Bret Hart. I've heard, no, some, I've heard that. Be, I've heard he's that having, he's having, yeah. He is having Bret Hart's career, okay? And I don't. I'm not saying he's an amazing. I don't swear much wrestler. on this podcast, but fuck off. Well, hear me out. Career. In what? So what? In what way is that? 
Well, let me let me explain what I mean. In the sense that Bret Hart's one of the greatest in-ring talents of all time, and Big E's all right. And I preface myself by saying... Big E's got a character that he's over on... Brett was never over on his character. Brett was over on the fact that he could work and he was taken seriously. Big E's the total opposite. He's decent so let's talk about ring, but his character is bigger than life. That's how he's going to get over. I'm not saying Big E's not going to get over. I think he will. I think if there were crowds in the building right now, I think he'd get the same reaction that Kofi was getting a year ago on the way to whole Kofi mania. I think it makes sense to push Big E. I'm saying I don't get the whole thing, but that's not what it's about he's not fucking Bret Hart well that's lovely but not remotely what I was talking about he's think about Big E's path and it ties in exactly what Dean's saying Big E came into WWE with not much going on you know he came in from NXT just kind of plodding along doing his thing similar to Bret Hart before the Hart Foundation joined in a wildly popular tag team got himself massively over to the point where it was time for him to become a singles guy Bret Hart in the Hart Foundation showed a fraction of what he was capable of later on. A fraction. And he was a tag, he was a very good tag team guy, but he was a tag team guy. You did not judge Bret Hart's career on 1991 and before, because if you did, you'd be foolish. Big E is not an in-ring technician. He's a very different character. He's a very different wrestler. But he feels to me. Like he's had his moment in the tag team. He's, he's, he, like Bret Hart, is going to benefit from starting a singles run without being burdened by that tag team feud because that immediately puts an anchor around you and stores your momentum. He's been given the amicable finish and he's going to, I, in my opinion, and it is obviously just an opinion, he's going to be built up organically like Bret was. He's going to become the Intercontinental Champion in short order, probably at SummerSlam. Um and then he's going to work his way up to be world champion. And I think he's going to be fantastic. And I think he's going to show signs to him that he's not even touched so far. I think he's got all the potential in the world. Again, go back and watch the Hell in a Cell match. You'll see something completely different from Big E. You'll see an intense, serious, dominating wrestler. And he's not goofy. He's not wide-eyed. He's not a caricature. And he's got that in him. It's just that that's not what the fans want at the moment. You watch. And you'll see it. Let's put, yeah. put a pin in this and we'll talk about it in a year. No, okay, fine. Oh. That's not, that's, I just think it's a bad, I, I don't think it's a, I, I think it's an understandable career arc. I just think it's a bad, bad comparison because they're so different, you know, as, as the kind of, and the way that they do their work, I just think they're very, very different. Yeah, I There's think... loads of people that have been tag team wrestlers and then have broke out on their own. He's more like fucking Tito Santana than he is Bret Hart. I, I, I have to, I have to land on on Paul's side here. I, 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 I see what I, I, he's not talking about him in ring like Bret Hart. He's talking about career trajectory. And you think about, yeah, you, you think about other people. Steve, Steve Austin was one of the best technical wrestlers of his of his generation um then and he went to the wwe as a technical wrestler and it was really when he screwed his neck up and had to totally change his style and become a brawler that he became wildly popular as stone cold steve austin and if you judged if you judged steve austin's career on 95 and before it wouldn't compare to to the, the 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 later half of his career when he was you know the most popular wrestler in 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 American wrestling history, um, so I yeah I think 
I think that Big E, to be a singles wrestler, Big E's character will have to be reinvented. And exactly what you were saying about when tag teams split up, it depends on, on the circumstances. So, for example, you look at the Rockers, and when they split up, far from amicably, Shawn Michaels, as a heel, was able to use that that split up to his advantage to get him over as a heel. Marty Jannetty, and obviously there are huge issues outside of the ring going on with, with him, but Marty Jannetty as a baby face was always kind of coming across as like the, the, the cuckolded husband almost. He was like, he didn't see this coming. He didn't, he, he, he came across as a bit of an idiot because he didn't see any of that happening. So it's great for a heel because they just have the the impact of breaking up a popular tag team. But for a baby face, you want that amicable split, which is what you got with the Heart Foundation and what you could have with the New Day, where, you know, we'll split the unit up, we'll always be mates, etc., and And, you know, they can have the occasional skit in the Royal Rumble or something like that. Oh, I, I, there we go. I sort of see that point. But, I'd, okay, but if you were trying to say to me, all of that's kind of true. Individually about Big E is kind of true. I just think it's a rubbish comparison with Brett. Oh, I'd say, if you were to say who's that more like then, I'd say, in, keeping it in the family, I'd say that's more like the British Bulldog. To me. Because Big E is not... Brett Hart had a bloody... an era. Do you know what I mean? Because you're talking about, you're talking about Austin. Austin's also a crap comparison. Because there's the Austin era... And, you can't compare people that had the people you know, that were on top for a long period of time. Brett was the top star in the company for the best part of two or three years. Austin for longer, you know, other people as well. Big E's not, Big E is not going to be the top WWE guy between 2021 and 2023. He's not. He's not good enough. <laughs> Paul, He's not Paul's good enough. Look at the determination can, in his eyes, damn you it. Can nod all, you, you can nod all you like, but this is a company that's got People like Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens and whoever else in it, they're miles better than Big E will it be on any day of the week. If Big E... No. Big, 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 it just, but it won't work. He's not, he's, not, uh, he's not someone that will carry a company. He'll, he, because where's Kofi now? Kofi's right back where he was a year ago or two years ago. Big E might have... Kobe's... I'm not saying he won't, I'm not saying he won't be world champion. I'm not saying he won't have a little bit of fun and we'll, we'll have it. They were never going to make a company around Kofi Kingston, were they? They were going to have him have a run nope. up to WrestleMania. He won the title and he went straight back where he was again. And that's what will happen Correct. with Big E if they ever go with it. But that's not Bret Hart then, is it? Because Bret Hart became a top guy in 1991 and was a top guy for another eight years until a concussion retired him. He's yeah, not, but he's I, not, not going to be I, like... But Bret Hart needed to have Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect and Steve Austin and people like that to work well, with him, and Owen Hart to work that. with him. And Big E would need Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan and whoever to work with. And it might be that the opponent was the work. Hulk Hogan wasn't the workhorse of the duo when they when he had his title matches. Um, you yeah, he he will need those other people to 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 work the match with him. But yeah. I think as far as marketability, as far as personal ability goes, I'm I totally agree. Big E could say, be the face of the WWE. I'm gonna he's say it in one more needs. different way. I'm gonna say in one more different way, right? I just cannot see anybody saying my favorite wrestler is Big E Langston. I just don't a Big E, sorry. I just don't see it. He's he's likable. I I absolutely see why he's likable. 
but in the same way that no one, you might say different, Paul, because you live near there, but in the same way that no one's second team is Leeds, football-wise, because you either are, you're either a Leeds fan or you don't like Leeds, you know, I, I just think that, the, I just, I just think, I don't see anyone who's going to go, Biggie Langston is my guy. Actually, I'll tell you what, I'll throw in another one who he's more like, then if it's from a team and then break into a single, he can be Edge. I'll let him be Edge. Because I don't think any, Edge is not anyone's favourite wrestler, is he? People like Edge, they respect him, he's great at what he does. But I can't, there's not a massive contingent of people whose favourite wrestler is Edge. It's really easy to make these comparisons with all these guys that have had their career and, and judgment has been made. And you're adamant that Big E can't be that guy before he's even had the chance to be. And I respect, and obviously you're entitled to your opinion, but I find it very strange that you can have such a strongly held opinion when he's not had the opportunity to do it. I disagree. I think he can be the guy. I think, I'm not saying he could be Steve Austin guy, but he could certainly be. And, you know, and it's hard to compare guys from the 90s to guys to now because the business is so different. But can he be the face of WWE, to use that shitty term? Yes. Yes, he absolutely can. He can be the biggest star in the company. And I think he will be, given the opportunity. If they decide to get behind him, I think he's got all the tools. Does he have to be the best technical wrestler in the world? Like hell, he does have to be the best technical. He doesn't have to be. He has to be good enough in the ring to do the WWE I'm style. Yes, be charismatic. Said, I never said he had to be a good technical wrestler. That wasn't my point. But my point is that, you know, the, 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 the Bret Hart character, because you're, you're the one that brought up Bret Hart. The Bret Hart character has not changed from 1986 to 1991, right? The Bret Hart character is relatively the same. Okay, heel, babyface, singles, tag team. But it's still a straightforward, sunglasses-wearing wrestler, right? Big E Langston went from the, being the, the Count Me Five um, King Kong Bundy ripoff um, to the Dolph Ziggler sidekick bodyguard guy to the New Day guy. So he's had three different incarnations where it's been a little bit different. And now the most successful one of them, admittedly, and again, again I'm, not, I'm saying this like I don't like him. I do kind of like him. I just don't get him as the kind of the, the big star. And I don't think he's got that sort of through line of being this character that people have been choking to see be a star for a long time. Kofi, yeah, because Kofi's not changed. Kofi's been Kofi all the way along. And you can see fans going, I'm dying for Kofi to get the chance. I don't see where the comparison comes to a to a biggie. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm not saying it can't happen. But I'm saying it's I think it's a weird position to be in now to say Kofi Kings to, sorry, Kofi King, that Biggie could be the new Bret Hart. I just I just but I you've, think it's you've, a weird, weird have, comparison. You have completely and utterly missed the point of the of, and Dean's hit the nail on the head. I wasn't talking about them as characters and I even said as such. I'm talking about the career arc that they're on. And I believe he's on the, well, same, the same career thing. arc. That's the, you can't, you can't no, it, differentiate it, it, those. Isn't remotely. Yeah. Isn't remotely. You look, at, you look at Rocky Maivia when he came into the WWE or WWF it was. And I, I remember watching his debut and saying to a friend of mine, he's going to be a big star because you could see he had the he had the charisma and the passion and the understanding of the business. It was just that Rocky Maivia was a horrible character. He had to then become uh, a member a heel as the member of the nation of domination. He then found him, found his character. He, he became the rock. The crowd latched onto him. He turned babyface, and the rest, as they say, is, is history. But, you know, he, when, when he was turning babyface, if no one was saying, Oh, this man's going to be the biggest actor in Hollywood in 10 years time, it's, it's, it's 
you know, you can't. I, I suppose you can't predict these these things, and it could be that the the face of the WWE ends up being someone that we've completely passed us by. But I, I think, yeah, it's not it's not comparing him in ring or comparing him character wise. It's just saying that that comparison of singles guy to sorry tag team guy to singles guy is 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 a, a path that Brett went on and, and Shawn Michaels for that matter and a host of other people. And, and yeah, exactly. Do- and dozens of other people. That's, that's, I don't no, know a, no, no, that's the point. Of... Not dozens, not dozens of other people. Like you mentioned, Edge, Edge didn't go on that path. Edge went through a feud with Christian. It's a very specific path. And it's not just that. It's the, it's the way that they're already treating him as a, they're treating him as a wrestling face and they're treating him as they are giving him the push to say, this is Big E's time. He has deserved this. He owns it, just like they did Bret Hart back in 1991. There's a lot of okay. comparisons. Check it out. There's compar- You've not looked. Hand on heart, Rob. Have you watched any of the content of Big E's single push so far? No, 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 not very, very little. No. There's a lot of parallels. Go back and watch it, and then we'll have a conversation again next week. Who'd have thought Big E would prompt the biggest discussion on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, feel yeah. like you, I feel like you've taken that somewhere else. You're kind of almost making it now as if it's the career path is that there wasn't a breakup. And well, I, that's I, pretty I, much I was... exactly. That's one of the elements of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely one of the elements of what I'm saying. Yeah, and then the way they treated him post separation from the tag team. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big part of it. Well, I'll accept that. I'll accept that, that that's a rarity. That normally there's the breakup and there's the feud and then. You know, the one person takes the lead. I'll, I'll, I'll accept that as part of it. I, I don't. I still don't think it's a very good comparison. But anyway, what's he going to be like as a commentator? No oh, rubbish. No, no. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, dear. Can I just point out to anyone listening about how heated it's got over the last fifteen minutes or so? I love these two guys. It's, it's, it's really... <laughs> I, I believe in everything I just said. I think the pair of them are talking absolute bollocks. <laughs> None of that was done for show. None of that was done for any sort of like working angle. The pair of them are talking shite, but I do love them to pieces. It's It's been a nice evening. We've all had a bit to drink. <laughs> oh, no, it's just Rob. Just, Empty. Just, yeah, no I'm, more cans. I'm on the tea, mate. I'm on the tea. Yeah, I'm on water. Um, Right, so have you, uh, I've got I've got two more names. Well, three, to be fair, I've got two I'm, more names I'm really I'm really sorry, lads, but oh, Paul, anyway, I think we've got to do a bit more on Xavier Woods. Oh, do we have? Because I love Xavier. I love Xavier no. Woods, and you, you, you yourself have reminded me in recent weeks that I have previously referred to him as this era's Bobby Heenan because I think he <laughs> does do the kind of the manager, the wrestler, the manager and probably could make that extra step into commentary. I think ultimately I'll be able to be swayed when we have a little conversation between the three of us. But I think if I had to do my five right now, I think Xavier Woods is probably in my five. I remember on the same night, do you remember the, uh, obviously you remember the the terrorist attack in Paris with the Bataclan and uh, everything that went on there. It was the same night as that. And you sat on my sofa in my old house and you made that comparison. It stuck with me ever since. And I think absolutely bang on the money. Um, is, that the, is that the day when you said about the next big star was going to be Ryback? I was fairly right about that. You were right. No, I'm not, I'm not giving you a yeah, yeah. You were right. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the same night. Same night. 
Um, Ryback was obviously one of the worst wrestlers of his era and was absolutely terrible and you know didn't deserve it. But you said it doesn't matter; he's going to be a star, and he really was. Yeah. Um, so I'm, you know, Xavier Woods is another one where it's, there's not a lot to discuss, is there? In that he's really good. Um, he absolutely would make a great commentator. Um, I don't think I'd have him on the five, but I'd certainly have him on my ten. Okay, it's a, it's a reasonable shout. Since we're doing every now and again doing little clangs, name drops, I do remember being at Bound for Glory 2009, I guess it was. What would he have been doing then? Lethal Consequences? Maybe doing some um, X Division stuff? And I honestly, I promise you this is a true story and it does sound like a proper nickel bragging, but it is. I watched his match, the match he was involved with, and I was sitting next to Dixie Carter. And she said to me, what do you think of Consequences Creed? And I said, I think he's going to be a star. And she went, so do I. Now, wow. no one's ever held wow. a lot of stock about what Dixie Carter thinks as a wrestler. But, I, oh, oh, <laughs> but I'm saying that that is, a, that is an absolutely true story about watching that. that 2008, actually. It was 2008. It was the one that was in near Chicago. Um, and I just remember having that. And I, 12 years ago, thought the guy was going to be a star. I don't mean multiple time world champion carry a company on his back, but I mean a long standing major part of a television show, which is exactly what he is, and which is exactly what a lot of people are. You know, you know I'm not, you don't have to be a main eventer world champion to be a, a, a success in this industry, right? Whereas, and and that's, that's, that's what I meant. My Xavier Wood story, and while I always love the guy, he, when my wife was training to be doing her camera training, her interview training, when she joined ITV. She was in Birmingham doing a training and she was looking around for an interview story to submit. I said, and TNA happened to be there that night. And I was there. I said, come and interview the guys. They'll, they'll, they'll do interviews for you. And Consequences Creed was the loveliest bloke. Um, he really helped her out. He was so, couldn't give her enough time. It was absolutely amazing. And then afterwards, when I was chatting to him, um, he was pouring his heart. He goes, oh, who are you wrestling tonight? He goes, Paul, I'm absolutely shitting myself. Genuinely, I'm shitting myself. I'm wrestling Scott Steiner and he's going to beat the crap out of me. <laughs> he was genuinely dreading it and I felt so sorry for him. Um, but always, always loved that guy for how nice he was to, to, to my wife that night. Went way above and beyond what he needed to do. So if you're listening, if still... Consequences, and I know you are, thanks, mate. Um, I've, we... uh, I've never met him, but I have managed Terry Funk. So that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> and contractual obligation. Who had two hours, played. four minutes, and 30 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> no one thought it would go this long. I do have another Creed, I do have another Creed story, actually, uh, which is that this was definitely about February 2009. It was in, it was in California. And I was uh, sitting, having my lunch around the bar in the hotel where we were staying. And uh, you guys remember Stephen Godfrey, weren't you? Who was the TNA publicist. Yeah. And I said to him, I could do with some interviews, Steve, you know, between now and the, the end of the weekend. And he went, oh, I'll find some, some for you. And he literally, Creed walked across the bar and he went, often called him over and went, Rob needs an interview. And so I interviewed Consequences Creed while having a toasted cheese and ham sandwich by the side of the bar uh, in which, and I think we did a 20 minute interview in which we did about three minutes on wrestling, quite a lot on the difference between in and out burger and water burger. And then he challenged me to a game of tennis and we were all about to, we were, okay, about to go and have a game of, we were about to go and have a game of tennis. And then he got called into a signing. And that was the, that was the end of that. But uh, anyway, that's a, a very, very strange incident I had. Anyway, I think he'll be a good commentator. 
I've I've got two more names. Well, okay, I've, go I've got ahead. one I'd like to kind of. Well, I'm going to throw these out. I'm not even going to mention it because we are running running on time. MVP is one. It's on my list. I, I don't think there's anything more to say other than he's already kind of proved what he could do. I think he, I think he'd be an absolutely sensational commentator. Yeah. Do you know what we often do on this podcast is we often start with someone who we call a bit of a gatekeeper. And we put him in sort of position five and say, can we find four or five people to go above them? We probably should have started with MVP. He would be the absolute perfect. He's a sort yeah. of 7.8, 8.2 out of 10 on this list. You know, you're going to, if you are above him, you're doing really, really well. But is he the out and out top of the list? Mind blowing, definite contender. I'm not sure. Um, and I could start telling personal MVP stories. I won't because we're already going late. Um, but I have watched the entire pay-per-view on a sofa in London with MVP. And it was one of the most entertaining shows I've ever watched because of the stories he was telling. Um, great choice. Can't disagree with you at all. Might come into our reckoning, might not. Okay. So my last one is kind of my mic dropper. The one that I think I've gone for that maybe nobody else will have done. And I think he might well be the best of the lot. You'll probably have both got him on your list now, having said that. Um, Dolph Ziggler. Mm, hang I've on got him. List. I absolutely have him on my list. He's not. I don't have him as a bang mic drop. I have him ever so slightly on the same thing as MVP, um, but probably slightly higher. I think it's a great I think, shout. I think, I think Dolph Ziggler... Shout would be an all-time fantastic, fan, a genuinely an all-time legendary commentator in every single facet. He's and done then, stand-up know, comedy, hasn't he? Which goes absolutely. back to what we're talking about, delivery and stuff. Absolutely. I think every aspect of being a great commentator and every positive we've thrown at anybody in these last two hours, I think you could apply in space to Dolph Ziggler. I think he's got the knowledge, he's got the presentation, He's got the voice, he's got the personality, he's got the wherewithal, he's got the, the wit, he's got absolutely everything. If you were rating him out of tens across the board, you wouldn't put anything lower than an eight. I think he would be absolutely wonderful. In terms of the content of this podcast and making it entertaining and going in and out and in and out, I can't find anything entertaining. But in terms of you know agreeing with you, I think it's a great shout. I think it's an absolutely great shout. He is on my list. I don't have him as a, a standout, oh, you didn't see that coming sort of name. But I think, I think also the fact that he has had a career, whether he wanted to or not, on making other people. You know, yeah. you said actually, in, in fact, so earlier on, you said about it, Dean, so in some ways would, would Chris Hero fit that kind of thing? Is a lot of Chris Hero's career, certainly his WWE career, has been making other people We've seen other people in their career have had that sort of life. Maybe a, a Dean Malenko, a Lance Storm, you know, good wrestlers, very capable, never going to be a top star, have to be happy in the mid card, but can, you know, easily make others, you know, there'll be loads of those that we could go into. A Tatonka, there's lots of other those that have, have always fallen into that very capable level. Dolph's probably a bit higher than that. He's a better wrestler than that. Um, he's had more great matches. He's liked by people. I cannot think of a, a, a place along our little graph that we talk about in which he would not tick a box. I'm with you. But we've just, just lost Dean there for a oh, long oh, connection. We'll carry on, mate. 
Yeah, I think I think he's I think he's absolutely there, and I think we've got a real strong list now. Actually, I think we can go towards. I, I, I've got ten that I can see. Uh, let me just see. I've got how many have we not? I've got one, two. I've got three more that we've not mentioned. Only one of which I would probably like to offer up into the discussion. Well, just mention okay. the one then. Uh, well, no. I'll, in fact, I'll do the other way around. I'll do the other two while Dean's. Well, trying, oh, to sort his, trying to sort his connection because it's not the biggest deal about going to them. One we sort of very briefly mentioned on earlier on, I would have him in the same sort of bracket as Big Show, but Kane, no, you could have, perhaps he's already retired, um, but Kane has a good speaking voice. He's very confident. He's very knowledgeable. I don't think necessarily the charisma would be there. No. I think he'd be capable, but no more than capable. No, I've, I've heard that banded around before and I think he'd be incredibly boring personally. Okay. I don't think he'd be boring. I think he'd be capable. But again, you need you need more than that on this list. And the other one, it's the opposite end. It's someone at the start of their career, but someone that I have not seen a lot of. But whenever I've seen them on screen, I'm drawn to them. And I think they've got something that I want to see what they've got to say. Um, is Montes Ford. I, I just think he's someone that there's, he's yeah. got something about him. And I think if he, again, the Graves, the Corey Graves scenario... If he had to fall down tomorrow, clearly I'm not wishing that on anybody, but if he had to fall down tomorrow and take up a new job as a commentator, I think he'd be very capable. I think he's got something about him that's different. And you need to be different. You don't need to plough someone else's furrow. You need to stand up and be why you could be the first Montez Ford and not the new Jesse Ventura or whatever. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't want him in my five, but I, I think he'd be, uh, I think he'd be a, a good effort. Yeah. So what's okay? So what's your what's your guy? Who's the one you want to ask? Oh, Dean. Dean. Dean's he's back. back. Oh. He's back. Sorry Just to that. fill him in while your while your iffy Sussex broadband was uh, playing around there. Don't worry, mate. We have issues with our connections every week in Devon and Yorkshire. Why don't we live in proper places, lads, with proper uh, broadband? It would be good. Um, but uh, we briefly mentioned uh, Kane, and we briefly mentioned Montez Ford on different levels of. Uh, experience and charisma and whatever, but we weren't really seriously putting them up. The one I'd like to discuss, um, again, we've gone through various different uh, facets, babyface, heel, um, character, presentable to the company, able to represent outside. Um, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins has got everything about him that needs to be into that sort of position. He's very, very confident. He's very likable. That Colby Lopez, the person behind everything, is very likable. I've seen him on things on on panels and that kind of thing on uh, comic cons and whatever. He's excellent. He's quick witted. Uh, he's very well spoken. He, he'd be a joy. He'd be really, really, really good. I think you're dead on. Yeah, I think he's well worth considering. He's, he's another one where there's not a lot to say about him because he's got he has got everything he ticks every box, um, and it's not a massive revelation, but definitely I'd, I'd consider him to go forward. Ding, no, I, I'd agree. Um, you know, a company man knows the, he's getting scripts with the corporate world in the in the way he represents the company on the outside, and he'd certainly yeah he'd he'd fit the bill definitely. Okay, we don't probably don't need to go too much into depth on, on him. We're late enough in the podcast as it is. We do need to start getting down to the brass tacks of getting our five together. Paul, you just said a minute ago you had 10 written down. I'd like to think that Rollins has been added to that to make it 11. 
Do you have them yeah. on your screen? Do you, are you able to just rattle through them quickly? Yeah. So as far as I can see, guys, the way we, you know, I've taken some assumptions and stuff, but the 11 I've got listed as serious contenders are Sasha Banks, Chris Jericho, Dolph Ziggler, Kevin Owens, Titus O'Neil, uh, Seth Rollins, Xavier Woods, The Miz, Sami Zayn, MJF and Drake Maverick. Okay, we can do this in a couple of ways. We can either all pick one to put through and then fight over the other two, or we could have a little discussion and see if we can snick a couple off the end and just make it a little bit tighter. For example, the one I would say deserves to be on that list but does not deserve to be on the five, I think there are better contenders than Stasha Banks. I don't think she's a top five candidate. I, I think agree. Sorry, I forgot. Fine, but go on. I forgot MVP as well. Sorry, he's on there too. Okay. Well, I would say I would. I would probably skim Sasha off it as one. One that I would say was not. I wouldn't seriously consider her for a five. As would I. Um, I don't know how anyone else feels. No, I'd agree with that. I would. I would say if um, if I'm putting anyone through on the on the top five or putting him onto the shortlist, um, I would definitely put Sami Zayn on that shortlist. As would I. Um, just talking about taking skimming ones off at the back. Titus O'Neil. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Been, Capable would do a good yeah. job, but he's not a top candidate. I think we've got to be in agreement to take these off at the end. The other one I'd say potentially to stop the discussion at this point is maybe the Miz. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a harsh one, because and I think he'd be an obvious one in people's minds. I wouldn't like to get rid of him too soon, but I have a sneaking feeling we'll find five better. I, I think we said he'd be more of a host than a commentator. So if we're looking at commentators, I, I would say take him off myself. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I won't. I, I would prob- probably have him more further into this discussion. But in the spirit of democracy, neither of you are convinced. So yeah, I'm happy with that. Well, that leaves us nine. So we've got four left to remove almost. So um, any more we can take off the list? Jericho, Ziggler, Owens, MVP, Maverick, MJF, Sami Zayn, Xavier Woods and Seth Rollins. Any more obvious ones to take off or are we going to start putting people on? Sorry, sorry. Do the list again. Chris Jericho, Dolph Ziggler, Kevin Owens, MVP, Seth Rollins, Xavier Woods, Sami Zayn, MJF and Drake Maverick. Okay. Did I I not do enough... Did I not do enough for Alexa to make our list then? I don't think so. Because I, I would have Alexa on my five. Well, in that case, she has to go back on. I I would take Seth Rollins off. I think I don't think he's as strong a contender as some of those others. I'm fine with that, Rob. I don't I don't see him as a stronger personality. I think he'd be a contender for my five, but again, it's democracy. Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I, I see that as I see those. We've got nine there. Um, so I guess the best thing to do is probably to go through the list. And if there's any that we all unanimously agree on, we, we gonna, stick at women board. I'm going to offer up three because I think we're going to agree on them, right? I think okay. we are going to agree. You two are strong enough on Sami Zayn, and I'm not down enough on him to fight it. So I think Zayn goes on the five. I think Jericho goes on the five, and I think Drake Maverick goes on the five. I would agree. I would, yeah, I would not disagree with those at all. I not. I wouldn't have Sami Zayn on my five, but you two are strong on him, and I am not down on him. 
so I think those three, I think we would probably all agree on those three, wouldn't you? I think so. The next one I would say is that I thought you were strong enough, strong enough on it, Paul, and I was with you that I would say Dolph Ziggler goes in. 100% I agree with that. Dean? Dean? Um, I would uh, I would go down the Rob McNichol democracy route there. Of He's not as strong for me, but I don't disagree strongly enough to, to take him off. So, yeah, I'll go well, with that. I think at this point we kind of need to consider all of it. We've only got two spots left, so I don't think democracy. No, is we've got one right left. Now. We've got one left. Why have we only got one left? Oh no, sorry. I, I was assuming we're putting let's, Dolphin. Let's have a look at any more because if there are any more that are unanimous, then you know they might he might come under under some okay, pressure. So, so we've so, put in we've put in Drake Maverick, Sami Zayn, and um, Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho. I think. So, I think Dean. Sorry. I think Zayn and Ziggler are on the same level because I think Dean feels the same about Ziggler as I do about Sami Zayn. I'm not strong on Sami Zayn. I wouldn't have him on my five, but you two are strong, right. and I think and okay. I think he's a top. I think he's a top tenner, but not a top five. Well, let's put Ziggler in for now, then, and see where we land. So that gives us one spot left, right? We've got Alexa Bliss, Kevin Owens, MVP, MJF, Xavier Woods. Anything, any that can drop off the end there. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I'm uh, MJF's not done it. enough yet. MJF's not yeah. done enough yet. I think yeah. that's fair to say. That's fair to say. He's had a great run four, to get on the list, but he's not done enough yet. Of the four, I'll just be honest. I My top two of the four left would be Owens and MVP. <laughs> Yours would be Honest. Bliss and Xavier. It would. My top two would be Bliss and Xavier. Okay. I... Kevin Owens was the first name I thought of when I was putting lists together, but I I think MVP is a really good shout because he's just got more experience of of wrestling, of life, of everything. He he would trend. I feel he would transition better into that role. I would, and I think we've got well, we've got Alexa Bliss. <laughs> But I'll tell you what, Dean, just let, me stop, let, me, let me stop you there. You've, you've said MVP over Owens, right? And I know Rob isn't massively convinced with Owens either. And, and I'm MVP over Owens. Yeah, I'm probably the same. So, let, so Owens is gone. Owens is gone. So we've got Xavier Woods, Alexa Bliss and MVP. My list, my, th- my order, let's do, let's do ranking points and see if we can work out that way. So I give three points to MVP, two to Xavier and one to Bliss. Okay. Uh, if we're doing those three, I would do uh, Bliss, Woods, MVP. But I will say I would have all three of those above Sami Zayn if we're bringing that back into it. Yeah. I, I would say MVP I, first, then Alexa, then... Um, Woods. I've forgotten the bloody name. Woods, thank you. Woods, Woods. Well... That was marginally it be, MVP. It, well, it's, it's marginally MVP and... I just, it just feels like MVP is the way to go. I also think we're probably stronger between the three of us on MVP than we are on Sami Zayn. I'm now almost calling Sami Zayn back into question. <laughs> I would, I would, would, I think it'd be a very long night, Rob, if you wanted to take Sami Zayn off. He's about the only one that I would fight you all night on. <laughs> if I'm honest. What about we okay. do a six? What about we do another six? 
Why don't we stick Alexa Bliss oh, on? Well, or, or Xavier well, Woods? This is dangerous territory. We had a long impasse the other week over Kofi, Kofi Kingston versus Arn Anderson the other week on a long impasse. And that's and that's what I'm trying to avoid. And I also don't want to feel like you're... Quite frankly, think, Paul, it's your company. Yeah. Well, let's I'll give over. We don't, we, don't, we don't pull rank here, mate. We don't pull rank ever. But all I'm saying is that it just seems to be mine and Dean's opinions are fairly well aligned. Yours is different, but I don't want to marginalise yours on every decision, otherwise it becomes a bit undemocratic. So I'm more than happy. I, I do think MVP shady, but I absolutely think it's right and fair to put at least to put one of Bliss and Xavier Woods in on your say so. Do you know what? Do you know what? I'm starting to rethink Biggie Langston. What? <laughs> don't you even don't you even start. Don't you even start. Uh, uh listen, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because whenever you you've got your own thoughts and, and whatever. Uh, okay. My because my two would be Alexa and Xavier, and I find them hard to split. What would you two say? Who would you have, Paul, Alexa or Xavier? Xavier, Dean, Alexa. (laughs) 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 Oh, that got nowhere, did it? Okay, so I would, I would, okay, I'll say Alexa as well. We have got a a slightly longer than normal shortlist of. Sami Zayn, Chris Jericho, Drake Maverick, Dolph Ziggler, MVP, and Alexa Bliss. I think that's pretty damn strong, gents. Do you know what? Right, I feel I feel like I say this every week, but there's plenty of people that would do a really capable job. Right, that Miz isn't near our top six or seven. No, nope. and neither is Seth Rollins, and neither is Titus O'Neil, and neither is MJF and oh, Kevin Owens, and they're good. They'd be brilliant. And they're not breaking into our six or seven. It shows you what's out there. And we say this almost every week in terms of the depth of talent about something. But goodness me, there's some really talented people that are not getting a look in there. So, okay, do the six again, Paul, one more time. We've got Sami Zayn, Chris Jericho, Drake Maverick, Dolph Ziggler, MVP and Alexa Bliss. That's a mad six. It's a well-represented, all-over-the-place six. But it's great. And I'm happy for any of them to win. Uh, it is now over to you. Thank you for sticking with us for the best part of two and a half hours. We talked about this probably being one of our shorter podcasts. I think it's the longest. Um, we were very that, wrong about that, weren't we? We were very This always wrong about happens something. when you have me on anything of yours. Yeah, I think all we've done is think... just had all we've done is had Paul and I doing an hour and forty five minutes and put the shy retiring twisted genius <laughs> Dean into the mix who actually knows about commentating while we don't. And uh, and it's dragged it for another forty five minutes. Listen, I've had fun. I don't care about uh, anyone else. I've had fun. And um, here's Likewise. the thing, folks: if you've stuck with us to this point, www.hookedonwrestling.co.uk forward slash vote. By the time yep. this is live, we will have that page ready. Uh, it will be updated. So there's got six entries. Slippery slope. That's six out of two out of three weeks. But. Uh, that you will be able to choose one of those six. You will find out the winner by tuning into the podcast next week. Uh, That is where you will find out who has emerged victorious. I really do not know which way this vote is going to go. And I suspect people may still have something to say uh, in the social media chat in the next few days when they find out who we have omitted. So remember, folks, hookedonwrestling.co.uk for all your wrestling needs. 
Uh, it's a great stop to go first thing in the morning for news that's happened in America overnight to catch you up on things. It's also a great place for articles on you know, opinions and stuff like that. And also podcasts. It's not just about the How To Be Great podcast. There are others, uh, including, because WCW, Plug Away AS. Thank you. Yes, we are on Twitter at BecauseWCW or Facebook.com forward slash BecauseWCW. Um, and the website is BecauseWCW.podbean.com. There's 67 episode back catalogue you can listen what? to. Yes. Since 2017. Can I ask a question about that back catalogue? Yes. How many of those 67 or whatever it was you said episodes have got Paul Benson on? Uh, three. Okay. <laughs> yes, he is our he is our most featured guest, and he walked off with the match wall. <laughs> oh, brilliant! We need to get you on, Rob. Oh, there you go. It's almost like four hours. <laughs> yeah, that is true. It'll but be a long like, show. Just like Richard Herring hinted for years at getting on Taskmaster, and it's He's finally on. happening. He's yeah. on. He's on. It is a, it's not, um, it's not a great Taskmaster lineup apart from him, but that's not the point. Oh, Daisy May Cooper, come on, that's going to be awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, we we will we will sort out uh, an episode with you in the very near future. I promise. No, I don't care. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, folks. Because WCW is great fun. Uh, it's a really really good balance because WCW at times is ludicrous. And is worth taking the piss out of, which the lads do. But occasionally it was pretty good, and the two of them are clearly fans. So it's not people going, this is shit. It's people having some fun with something, but also understanding it. In particular, uh, the episode with Mike Quackenbush is exceptional. So that's really worth um, going and listening to. Uh, Anything else to plug, Paul, hooked on wrestling-wise? No, um, I think we've got there. I think we're going to... You know, you've done a great job, frankly. Hookedonwrestling.co.uk is going from strength to strength. We had our biggest day ever on um, Monday, I believe, and then beat it on Tuesday by double. Wow. Um, yeah, it's going a bit silly now. So, um, yeah, please do keep checking us out. Keep on with the quiz on Sunday night. Um, Dean, if you'd like to come and join in the quiz anytime, you'd be most Absolutely. welcome as well. That'd be good if you're free one Sunday. Um, and other than that, just, um, yeah, thank you for your continued support, guys. Really appreciate it. Great stuff. Thank you, everybody. Remember to go and vote. Hookedonwrestling.co.uk forward slash vote. We'll be back here next week for a brand new episode of this. And don't forget Sunday night for the quiz with that Matt Riddle giveaway. We'll see you all very soon. And just remember, it's wrestling. Enjoy it. <laughs>